It's Friday, January 6, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family are bringing in the new year the only way they know how. You enter promo code STEAK, you're going to receive big, big savings down at MyPillow. Whether it's the MyPillow Classics, the Air Lindells, the My Robe, the My Dog Bed, or the Giza Dream Everything. This is the place you want to be if you want to take care of everything in the bedroom. Sleep really. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched my coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You know, promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off if you monthly subscribe. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep-related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, waiting to see the good I'll do, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The leaves are hand-picked from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee bean. They're aged three years. The cigars are hand-rolled. You enter promo code STAKE here, you're going to save 15%. Not only that, any order over 100 bucks, free shipping, $10 e-gift card with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies, and he's got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the beat. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Still don't know? Are you even listening to Steak for Breakfast? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 202. I'm Roan. Everybody's out of the office today, but we're going to have Alan Jacoby guest hosting with us. 
Guys, it's been a big week, lots of developments. Joe Biden's been moving everywhere from Washington, D.C. to Kentucky. He's heading down to the southern border this weekend. We're going to get you all caught up to that. Obviously, we're going to be talking bigly about the Speaker of the House race. But before we get into any of that, let's jump right into a state-exclusive interview with one of our great friends. Joining us first on the show today, he's a former ambassador to Germany. He served as the acting DNI in the Trump administration. One of our great friends. Looking forward to having him back for a long time. Ambassador Rick Rennell, thanks for joining us again on the show. Uh, it's always fun to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. Well, we have you, and we have a lot of news coming out of just about everywhere on the planet. Lots of stuff going up, up on Capitol Hill. Another vote today, just short this time for speaker. As someone who's really connected into all things MAGA and, and probably want to get some kind of a Republican agenda started in the Beltway, what, do you, what are you seeing and what are you thinking on this uh, this whole McCarthy vote that's going on right now? Well, first of all, if you look at the 20 people that were on the holdouts, um, I think, you know, you can't treat them all the same, right? Some of them are absolutely about policy decisions and trying to return us back to good policy. And and then there are others who just don't like Kevin and never going to vote for Kevin. Um, my friend Matt Gates, for instance, <laughs> just, he's not going to vote for Kevin. No. So um, I respect him and he has that right. I think at this point, uh, some of us, are getting a little bit nervous that somehow the Democrats are going to play a game and swoop in and get some moderate there. So I see movement now. I see some of those 20 are beginning to peel away after negotiations. And when you look at what the 20 were asking, it's really not that much. Some of these issues were just to return us to normalcy before uh, Nancy Pelosi came in and, and ran a dictatorship. Let's let's just give you one example. Um, she wanted to come in and she got it, come in as speaker, and then nobody gets a challenger for two years. There's going to be no vote, no um, you know opportunity for anyone to say, wait a minute, uh, you weren't genuine or honest about the direction you were going to take this caucus. And so they just have to sit there for two years. I think that's dumb. I think a lot of the Democrat members who voted for that and just you know had to shut up for two years, uh, that wasn't very good. And the 20 Republicans were demanding that we go back to having a say and a voice into the performance of the speaker. Uh, I think that's pretty common sense. I'll note one thing. I tortured myself this morning and I watched CNN for an hour. Oof. And, and let me just say, I don't recommend it, <laughs> but I did it. And I couldn't believe they had um, this woman, Margaret Tavlov from uh, Axios. And they had some guy from Washington Post who was like as swampy as you come. And both of them, were mocking the Republicans for watering down the power of the speakership of, of the Speaker of the House. And I thought to myself, at what point does the fourth estate, the media, journalists, decide that having all-encompassing power in one person is a good thing? I thought that they were supposed to be the check and the balance. I thought that they were supposed to be for the people. But yet, you literally have these swamp creatures these people in Washington who cover uh, Congress as, as for a living and call themselves reporters, they're cheering the democratic way, which is like a dictatorship. This is scary and weird. Yeah, I definitely think they, uh, 
are missing Nancy Pelosi and the way things was. But when you look at some of the, okay, you talk about some of the Biden uh, legislation that Mitch McConnell has helped Joe Biden get passed and, and through the House that was led by Nancy Pelosi in the last session of Congress. In addition to that, you want to talk about it even more recently, the omnibus bill. Like, you know, it didn't matter what was in it, where it came from, who was going to read it. Nancy Pelosi said yes. Chuck Schumer said yes. It's a done deal. You can't do anything about it. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, Having some of these more MAGA members in senior leadership positions, probably for the first time ever, the possible Chip Roy and rules, maybe Byron Donalds as a co-whip, in addition to, you know, some of the other people who, maybe people who just casually follow politics, they don't know much about, like, let's say the House Freedom Caucus or some of the more patriotic ones that held out for the initial votes, and they got a lot of FaceTime on TV, and like you said, Matt Gates and his stuff with Kevin McCarthy, we all think it's funny, you know, writing requests to have a squatter removed from the speaker's office is hilarious. And him saying some of the stuff that, you know, he said, he makes some excellent points, though. But the fact of the matter, when you have, like, Donalds and, and even Troy Nels, who voted for Kevin McCarthy throughout all of the votes, go out there and really talk about some of the platform issues that are greatly affecting this country that have not been addressed for the last two years, maybe even longer when you looked about how many Republicans worked against Donald Trump when he was the president – it's time to pump the brakes on this. We just sent so much money over to Ukraine. Joe Biden's going to go do a little song and dance at the border this weekend before he goes to Mexico and tries to tear down parts of uh, you know Donald Trump's deal with them in Canada. And we're not going to get to anything checked and balanced, like you said, if, if we don't have somebody in there who's going to share the wealth and hear more ideas than just his own. Yeah, I'm all for having members of Congress uh, really speak up and have enough power to make a difference so that we don't just have a dictatorship in the speakership. Let me let me just give you an example, too, of what during Nancy Pelosi's reign mm. and her dictatorship over her, you know, all of these media and all these Democrats are laughing at Republicans for fighting. But I think we have to step back and we have to say we're really bothered that you all just walk lockstep in whatever Nancy says and that you're like sheep. Because you know what they did during their reign, and I call it a reign of terror, on Mondays, they did voice votes. And what that means is, is on Mondays, Congress didn't have to be there in person, but they would open it up in session and they would pretend like all Congress people are there, even though members of Congress were all back in their districts because they didn't show up until Monday night or Tuesday morning. But on Mondays, they would gavel in these voice votes. And what that means is, is you don't have to be there. It's by unanimous consent. And that means that no one has to speak up and it just goes forward. Now, originally that was, okay, let's get some administrative things done when Congress is not around and maybe that's a good idea. You know, move forward on things that are automatic. But under Nancy's reign, we started spending tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in an anonymous way with a voice vote, with uh, a, a you know consent when no one is present. It really is shocking how Washington DC has gone adrift into this swampy system. And the reason why it's been getting worse and worse is because we don't have a media that's calling it out. We used to have reporters that would stand up and call it out no matter where it was on, on what side of the aisle. Now you've got cheerleaders cheering for the Democrats, and that's why the Democrats are weaponizing government, spending our money, 
like crazy without uh, oversight and then having their media allies mock us for wanting to have an actual vote on actual spending. Yeah, we uh, have definitely got a lot of issues that we need to iron out and fast and, and going back to how comfortable everything's got, you know, between Nancy Pelosi's two terms as speaker, it's, it's stuff that she was able to ease in there during the pandemic that they just kept on for almost the entirety of the time. Like you said, the proxy voting was meant to be get rid of all the admin stuff so you could debate on the House floor. But I tell you what, when I've seen these speaker votes going on and that chamber's full, it's like the first time other than like the State of the Unions that I've almost ever seen it like that, you know, in the last decade. And it's because we've gotten so far away from not doing the things we need to do to, to you know, check and balance ourselves that we we really have gotten away from and need to get back to. So I, I think this has all been healthy. There is a huge leadership issue in the Republican Party right now. If Kevin McCarthy making concessions to work with some of his potential counterparts to get back on the path to normalcy is what it took, then then I'm okay with that. The fact of the matter is we do have a much bigger problem in the Senate with Mitch McConnell and, and his gang of Republican senators up there that have, you know, allowed Joe Biden to walk to legislative juggernautness, I think is a good word to describe it. They have been very telegraphed in what they wanted to do throughout the course of their administration. They tried to do Build Back Better, Green New Deal, didn't really work, so they broke it up and sprinkled it over a whole bunch of bills that Mitch McConnell helped get through Congress real fast with almost no pushback, which is so uncommon, not for him, but for how a normal Congress would act. And now I see as Joe Biden goes into probably running again for re-election and, and what the big ticket items are, I really do feel like he's going to produce some kind of a massive amnesty bill. And I'm, my fear is that Mitch McConnell is going to allow this thing to pass. That's why we need to get things straightened out in the House so they could put up a resistance to this because it would, it would seem to be only like a crown jewel for all the things that Joe Biden's been allowed to pass, mainly because of Mitch McConnell throughout the course of his presidency so far. What do you think? Well, look, I think that the House majority for Republicans is very slim. They're going to have to figure out how to prioritize. They're, it's not going to be perfect. They're not going to get everything they want. But on bills like, you know, a huge amnesty bill, uh, holistic am amnesty, the I'm pretty sure Republicans are going to come together and stop that. I got to think that there's some Democrats in conservative districts that are not going to go along with that. We have to remember, and I love telling people this uh, stat, that, you know, the American people are the most generous people in the world when it comes to immigration. Roughly a million people a year get to become U.S. citizens. We should never fear feel like we are somehow cheap or uh, stingy when it comes to allowing people to come to this country. Uh, we just unfortunately have hundreds of millions of people that want to come in and we're going to get overrun and not be able to take care of our own people if we don't have rules. Uh, I would uh, also argue that Brexit happened. Yeah. The European Union became smaller and less powerful because of immigration. The German government and Chancellor Merkel couldn't get their act together on finding rules to allow people to come into the U EU. And a bunch of British got together and said, we're out of here. We're not going to be in the EU if, if you can't support uh, basic rules like immigration. So we see a precedent of, of people around the world wanting to have common sense laws. And America has common sense laws. We should never, never feel somehow that we're being stingy by wanting a closed border because you are the, the people listening to this uh, podcast 
American taxpayers are the most generous people in the world. I served at the UN for eight years. And let me tell you, there's not a country in the world that does uh, welcoming uh, people to come into this country, many who get to become U.S. citizens like like America does. Yeah, no, it, it, it's true. We have been so welcoming and, and warm to the, the needs of people who need to claim asylum, who are refugees from war-torn places and stuff like that. It's just how the Biden administration has completely torn down all the Trump-era policies. We see them kind of band-aiding Title 42 right now, and who knows what's going to happen when they have, like, the meeting of, you know, the United States, Canada, and Mexico down in Mexico City next week. But I just... uh you know, really think that at the end of the day, we need to put a really big, we, we need to figure out a solution to what Mitch McConnell is doing right now, because I, I see what he's doing. He's making it very difficult for anybody to go outside of, of what his, you know, narrative is. We know that, you know, he finances a lot of campaigns. He's probably got close to half the Senate in his pocket. His comm directors do comms for all the other senators, and they're all pretty much in agreement what goes out and how. We know him and President Trump have no love lost for each other, but I do fear that he's going to be quite a thorn in everybody's side come presidential primary season, which is the last thing I wanted to touch with you on real quick. We know you talk to the president frequently. We know you've been down to Mar-a-Lago a bunch of times over the course of the holiday season and beyond. President Trump has put out quite a few powerful policy videos over the course of the holiday seasons, getting everybody excited for him to officially kick off his, you know, speaking events and stuff like that, that he, he's best known for uh, getting his presidential primary season going. What are some of the things we could expect to see the president uh, doing in the next few weeks or months as he's getting ready to uh, kind of sharpen his sword and get it back in the ring for the uh, nomination to be president again? I'm glad that you noticed because President Trump and and our team has have been really working hard on substantive policy issues. Remember, we've got this America First Policy Institute. We've got a think tank now that is literally designed with some of the best experts thinking through government, how best to put America first. And uh, if you look at the America First Policy Institute, it's literally broken into all of the different cabinet positions. And so what we have is a thoughtful, um, if, if you will, a, an academic exercise, but with realists who are coming in to say, how do we make structural changes to government in order to make it work better for the people? How do you make policy better? And, and much of this discussion is coming forward in President Trump's uh, video messages. We know that it's not gonna grab a headline and be the front page news when President Trump talks substantively about immigration, but we're gonna go ahead and do that with a variety of policy issues. You're gonna see President Trump pronounce on all of these issues, foreign policy, transportation. He's going through systematically and rethinking how we bring uh, America back. Remember, he was at the helm when we had the greatest economy in the history of our country. Yes. We, we literally had um, Blacks and Asians and Hispanics and gay people experiencing uh, an, an economy and a wealth unlike never before. And, and President Trump also was somebody who promoted peace. He didn't promote war. He, he literally brought in peace accords between the Arabs and the Israelis. This is a, this is a man that, that the left and the media told you would start World War III, and instead, he literally ushered in world peace. And so I think we, we realize that you're not going to have a Ukraine war under uh, President Trump. 
you're going to have negotiations. Look at North Korea. I yep. mean, President Trump went to Kim Jong-un and, and presented ideas and talked about solutions. This is a man who knows how to build up the military and have a very uh, sound military policy, um, peace through strength, if you will. But yeah. At the same time, he empowered the State Department to actually have diplomats to go out and solve problems rather than just revert to war and Pentagon policies. And so I think you're gonna see the president continue to put forward these policy ideas, his vision for how to bring America back. And, and boy, do we all realize America is gonna have to do a turnaround. We cannot stay on this woke highway. No, we can't, you know, and it starts with things like what's going on with the Speaker of the House vote and what this slim majority in the Republican House of Representatives does and rolls right into 2023 as we'll start to see a lot more stuff from President Trump. Ambassador, this has been great. This is why we love having you on the show. We get so much information in such a little time. We're always going to be inviting you back, and we really appreciate you taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to spend a little bit with our listenership. They always have great things to say when you come on. For anyone that's not following you on social medias, where can they find you and uh, see a little bit more of uh, all the great stuff we heard on the show today? Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter, as you know, so it's just oh, yeah. at Richard Grinnell. I'm on Truth uh, at Grinnell, and I'm trying to be uh, as on many podcasts as I can and, and talking about issues. I'm also a Newsmax contributor, so you can see me on Newsmax. That's where we like to see you as well. This is the former ambassador to Germany, great friend of Steak for Breakfast. Ambassador Rick Grinnell, thanks for coming on the show with us today. All the best. Good evening, everyone. It's my honor to stand here with the House Democratic whip Catherine Clark and the House Democratic Caucus Chair Pete Aguilar. I want to thank Catherine for doing an extraordinary job today in making sure that Democrats were present, voting, and entirely unified oh. through the three different votes that took place. And I want to thank Pete uh, Aguilar for his very kind and generous and thoughtful words of nomination. Oh. Today, for the first time in 100 years, the House of Representatives failed to organize on opening day. It's a sad day for the House of Representatives as an institution. It's a sad day for democracy. It's a sad day for the American people. Oh. House Democrats are unified, ready, willing, and able to get to work on behalf of everyday Americans. We are prepared to try to find common ground with the other side of the aisle to solve problems on behalf of the American people, but we don't have a willing partner in House Republicans. Oh. We've had a conversation for two months to try to advance the ball, and we have had success in doing that, but we're not there. We're not at the place where we need to be to guarantee, to guarantee that we're going to be able to stand up in the face of the swamp that continues to step over the American people on a daily basis and spend money we don't have and to continue to leave our borders open and to continue to fund bureaucrats that are stepping over the freedoms of the American people. Byron will stand up and do that. Byron has a track record of doing that. And importantly, when we're sitting here today and we continue this debate and we never have a vote, I just ask my friends on this side of the aisle, 
Do you think that the American people support the status quo? Yes or no? Do you think that the American people want us to continue down the road of what we've been doing? Do they want us to continue to do the things since the leadership that's currently in place have been in place? Do you think they want us to continue down that path? And the argument that I would make is that they want a new face, new vision, new leadership, and I believe that face, vision, and new leadership is Byron Donalds, and I'm proud to put his name into nomination. So let's work together. Let's stop with the campaign smears and tactics to get people to turn against us, even having my favorite president call us and tell us we need to knock this off. I think it actually needs to be reversed. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes, and it's time to withdraw. With that, I yield. Thank you. Actions. So today I am asking my friends and colleagues, are we the party of Reagan Republicans? Oh. Reagan who said, someone who is with me 80% of the time is a loyal and good friend, not a 20% traitor. Are we the party of Reagan? Oh. That is the question that I ask you to answer as we embark on this next ballot. It's, a, it's upon us to remain a nation of equal opportunity, not equal outcome. That is what is on the line here today, and that oh. is why I am nominating Kevin McCarthy, oh. and I humbly ask for your support. Madam Clerk, I yield back. In some way to try to divide our conference, but look, he's a desperate guy whose vote share is dropping with every subsequent vote, and I'm ready to vote all night, all week, all month, and never for that person. So I tell you what, when he comes out, and heads back to his squatting in the speaker's office, which why is he even allowed to be there? Like, is there some basis in law or statute or rule for someone who comes in second place in six consecutive speaker races? We have had more discussion and debate over the last three days than I have participated in on this floor for the last two years. And it's healthy. It absolutely promotes the collegiality that everyone is striving to obtain. We're having discussions not just within our own party, but amongst each other as we walk around and start planning for the legislation that we will need to address over the next two years in the 118th Congress that sooner or later, yes, sooner or later, we will begin to function as. He started, he started five minutes ago. And no, he's not a credible candidate. He's, he's a freshman who started five minutes ago. That's not running. He didn't raise hundreds of millions of dollars to win the Republican majority in, in multiple election cycles. No, that's not a credible candidate. But is there, are, are you or anyone, I know in your mind, like you're still McCarthy, you're still very loyal in that regard, but eventually the more this keeps no. happening, you, you, you begin to no, wonder, no, 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 no. what it's, is it's an alternative here? I, I, I'm just wondering, no we keep repeating I, I this, right? But it's not, it's not loyalty to the man, it's loyalty to the, to the rule of law that we abide by here. We also have to restore 
to the Speaker's office, an actual person that ought to be in the Speaker's office, not the squatter who is currently there. And if the architect of the Capitol is listening, I sent a letter, and I would like to know what the basis is to allow somebody to occupy the Speaker's office who comes in second place 10 straight times. Is there like some basis in law or rule or precedent for that? No, no, I'm not putting any timeline. I just think we've got some progress going on. We've got members oh. talking. Uh, I think we've got a little movement. So oh. we'll Have you had to walk back the threats that your strip committee assignments we're, from we're these not, members? We're not strip. I didn't make those. Threats. Was that a mistake to make that threat? I didn't make that. Mike threat. Rogers did. Oh. Yeah. Well, you're saying I made the threat. So let's be very clear. I did not make the threat, and no members are not going to lose their committee assignments. Oh. Love to know, but we're working through and we made good progress today, so we'll continue to did, talk. Did you enable people like former Congressman Trey Gowdy, who said he called this opposition a clown show on national television? Oh. The former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, has said that you are holding the House hostage. Oh. What is your response to that type of criticism? Well, Trey Gowdy would know something about clown shows. That's probably how a lot of us would categorize the Benghazi hearings that resulted Damn. in people screaming at each other in a big report, but no real accountability. Uh, I remember the Trey Gowdy who went on your network as a congressman and said that he'd reviewed what had gone on with the FBI and the Department of Justice and that they had done nothing wrong and that actually the American people would be happy of what they were looking at with President Trump. We now, of course, know that to be false, and even Trey Gowdy has expressed regret about that. So I don't exactly take a, a lot of armchair quarterbacking from uh, someone who during his time in Congress wasn't among the fighters. Are you worried about retribution after the fact? There was threats that folks that weren't going to vote for McCarthy would be kicked off committees. Now you put yourself in a, in a pretty public position opposing who, the person that could be the speaker. Are you worried about retribution? Man, I'm 6'2", 275. I'm not worried about that. Oh, look, if we are able to get are you Are you going to be okay, Congressman? Be will you be okay then if there's ultimately a deal struck with moderate Democrats that give Democrats kind of co-control of the committees, you're fine with that? Oh. No, absolutely not. That, that will not happen. There are two well, potential that scenarios happen. here. No, that, listen, I'm on the floor, Laura. These 212 Democrats are going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries every single time. He is a historic candidate for them. They are not going to cleave off under any circumstance. I assure you that if Democrats join up to elect a moderate Republican, I will resign from the House of Representatives. That is how certain I am. I can okay. assure your viewers that won't happen. Well, that's been the week that was up on Capitol Hill in regards to the Speaker of the House vote and, you know, some of the shit show that, it, that it's been, you know, getting through this now. We've just gone through a 12th vote today. Uh, we've had 14 of the original 20 defectors, leaving seven left. And uh, that means three more until Kevin McCarthy can obtain the gavel. And this is Steak for Breakfast. We're, we're happy that you were able to join us. If you're listening to the show for the first time, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. Noah's out of the office today, and so is Antoinette. They've both got uh, prior engagements, but I've done the absolute best I can with a replacement. Definitely not as attractive as Antoinette, but uh, provides... Amazing commentary on the show every time he joins us. He's the host of The Great Divide, the CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company. Alan Jacoby's here. Alan, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I don't mind being fourth ring. I'm just happy to be here. What's going on? <laughs> well, you have more hair than Noah, so you might be third ring. <laughs> I don't know how your uh, engineering skills are, though. He is the uh, best engine operator, I think, in all of podcasting, to be honest with you. He's got it. I have no, I nope, can't do it. I'm lucky I can press the buttons. I just manage well, yeah, so 
speaking of manage, Kevin McCarthy's managed to have 14 people flip in the House uh, to vote for him. And that's kind of where we stand as of right now. I did see uh, just a little while ago, Breachin, Bishop, Cloud, Clyde, Donalds, Luna, Miller, Norman, Perry, Roy, Self, Sparts, Gosert, and Ogles have all come over to vote for Kevin McCarthy. We did hear, and I believe we're the outlet that broke the news last night of some of the backroom dealings, which included the possibility of a Byron Donalds associate whip. And then Chip Roy, it turns out, is going to be uh, on the Rules Committee, which is massive for those two House Freedom yeah. Caucus members. And that just leaves Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good, Harrison Rosendale out there as the, uh, I don't know, the Immaculate Seven, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> McCarthy needs three of those guys to defect. We, we have kind of laid it out here as, you know, Everybody could be right at the end of the day. You could still have Gates and Boebert but vote no. You could have people who have been given concessions in regards to their long list of demands, which includes like vacating the chair, major committee spots and leadership positions as yeses. And everybody's still right. And Kevin McCarthy becomes the speaker. Definitely not what we wanted or have promoted on this show for the entirety of his uh, campaign season. But the fact of the matter is that's where we're at as we stand right now. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, there's a lot going on, and we know it's the most seedy business in the world, politics, and there's going to be backroom deals, and people have made their deals. I am not a big fan of flip-flops, um, but I I guess, you know, what's going to be good for the party, what's really going to be good for us, the people, um, it, it's going to remain to be seen. Uh, it's I, I don't really know how I feel about it. I don't want Kevin McCarthy as the speaker, as you on your show, and Myself on my show have from uh, a long time have said if Kevin McCarthy becomes speaker, we lose if we have the majority. I'm hoping that the deal that is being made and deals being made in the future uh, will hold him accountable and not allow him to be what I believe the establishment swamp monster that he is. Uh, of course, we're getting the uh, beatings from the left. You have uh Representative Eric Swallows well, of mm. course, on his Twitter, um, talking about the flip flops and how those who flip flopped for McCarthy are have no credibility now. And and we're going to get that. We're going to get that from people on the right, um, especially uh, I don't know, maybe MAGA Republicans or America First Republicans. You know, we know it's a game. We know it's a swamp. And it's a matter of how you play the game. I don't like that new freshman congressman right from the get go are, are bowing to McCarthy because of their, you know, uh, establishment committees where they're from. And uh, it's just going to be crazy to see what's going to happen. And are they going to be able to function, you know, sitting at the New York Young Republican Club gala, listening to Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, for the record, I am not a fan of. And she oh. needs to stop. She needs to stop looking at Kevin McCarthy on the floor as if, you know, he is the, uh, you know what I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? It's very uh, eye rapey. <laughs> listen, it, it's eye rapey is not the word. I have now dubbed her as um, Marjorie Taylor knee pads. Oh, empty and- knee. Pads. I like that. Me and Laura Loomer liked it. She followed me yesterday after I was commenting on a few of her things, and I, because I, I basically took it back to the National Lampoon's vacation and said, uh, "Yep, 
He's porking her. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. You know, it's funny with Laura Loomer. If you don't shit post with her fast enough on Twitter, like she'll send me a couple of tweets. She'll call me like immediately and she'd be like, hey, I'm tearing these guys up. You jumping in on this or what? And that's like literally where she's at right now, getting revenge on people like Kevin McCarthy and MTG. Yeah. You know, a lot went into the narrative that we've built for our listenership in regards to why we don't like Kevin McCarthy. I heard Tucker Carlson last night break it down uh, a little bit more you know, with better etiquette than, than sometimes we have on, on steak for breakfast, but that's completely fine because, you know, we, we say the things that need to be said and, and you can't really do stuff on, you know, the, the Rupert Murdoch channels that sometimes Tucker gets away with, but at least he gets the narrative out here. Let's hear him talk about some of, uh, you know, McCarthy's downfalls that have a lot of Republicans turned off about him as a potential speaker. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Here's the latest summarized Kevin McCarthy badly wants to be the next Speaker of the House, but as of tonight, he is not going to be. He doesn't have the votes. It's not a question of who's good or who's bad, who's well-intentioned, who's not. It's a question of simple electoral math, something that Kevin McCarthy is highly familiar with since he does this for a living. At this point, as of right now, facing that mathematical reality, Kevin McCarthy has two choices. He can either step aside and let somebody else do the job, acknowledging in the process that he is not the only person in Congress capable of being speaker, or he can try and win over the people who oppose him, as you traditionally do in elections. Or you've got reservations about Kevin McCarthy? You don't want to be ruled by a man who wears a Ukrainian flag lapel pin and lives with Frank Luntz? No problem. We get it. Let us tell you how he's better than you think he is. Let us try and change your mind. Let us try to convince you. In a normal race, that's what you would do. But that is not what Kevin McCarthy's team is doing. Instead, like the left, they purport to oppose. They're using threats and fear to force people to support the candidate. Anyone who opposes Kevin McCarthy, one of his surrogates explained today, is, quote, an enemy, a, quote, terrorist. That's their message. And it's a message that was not received well over the course of the first, you know, Three days of voting and 10 rounds of voting all the way up until the 11th yesterday. Uh, like we did, you know, initially report, we, we've seen a little bit of a shift here with 14 people coming over. We know massive concessions are on the table here. And uh, when he talks about like the terrorist and the people that are sabotaging democracy and hostage holding the Congress, a lot of that narrative came out this week from probably the shittiest and there are a lot of shitty ones on the Republican side. House Representative, you're going to have to agree with me on this one. Dan Crenshaw, Ellen, you've seen him? Yeah, I've been tearing him apart. He, Dan Crenshaw has made me hate pirate movies because <laughs> he is the worst pirate. And um, yeah, Dan Crenshaw is garbage. I think he reads the United States Constitution with two eye patches. Mm. Yeah, he certainly does. It's just, it, it's embarrassing to see, you know, when, when he leaves the chamber and runs right to CNN to talk about stuff like this. And we're, we're going to hear a little bit of that now because Tucker did go down that road a little bit more and, and, and kind of rip him a new one. And that's just the fact of the matter. It needs to be out on those national first, second, third place viewership television shows, because the guy is in one of the deepest red seats in the entire country. And, you know, he goes down there and, and promotes his service to the country, which nobody takes away from him, or the sacrifices right. he made, which included an eyeball. But his congressional record is just absolutely garbage, and the people that he aligns himself with is even worse. I mean, he's obviously one of the McCarthyites, so the fact of the matter is is that 
you knew when they weren't getting their ways, these people that are really big money, big establishment, K Street Lounge, the whole group were going to come out and start doing stuff like this. And, you know, Dan Crenshaw let his emotions get uh, the best of them a couple times this week on national television, and, and Tucker Carlson highlighted it here. Let's hear it. If people oppose you in an election, typically you try and win them over. You assuage their concerns. You promise them things. You wheel. You deal. You trade some horses. You massage their egos. You don't scream at them. And yet today, Congressman Dan Crenshaw of Texas, a surrogate for Kevin McCarthy, did. In fact, he did what neocons always do. He labeled anyone who doesn't like a terrorist. Watch. Those of us are saying, like, look, you pushed us into this corner, so now we're now we're saying we won't vote for anyone but McCarthy. That's why we're saying it, because we cannot let the terrorists win. Oh, oh they're terrorists now. It's hard not to see the connection, because over the past few years, pretty much every part of the war on terror has been turned against the domestic political enemies of the neocons. Yep. So now they're just coming out and telling you what they told you about Iraq. Either you're with us or you're against us. You're on the side of light or darkness. You're good or evil. Dan Crenshaw went all the way, as neocons always do. He proceeded to go to CNN to call his political opponents enemies of the state. Looking for a little Soviet-style politics? Watch this. This handful of members is um, uh, very clearly looking for notoriety over principle. That's what it is. And anyone who suggests differently is um, in, in, in some kind of make-believe fantasy reality. But if you're a narcissist, if you're a narcissist and you believe that your opinion is so much more important than everyone else's, then you'll keep going. And you'll threaten to tear down the team for, for the benefit of the Democrats just because of your own sense of self-importance. That's exactly what's happening here. We will not vote for anyone else but McCarthy. Most people think they're stubborn or more stubborn. They think they're not going to get the committees they want. Well, obviously they won't, but it's going to be so much worse than that. They are enemies now. So you may like Kevin McCarthy or not. Both are allowed. But no matter how you feel, you have to acknowledge, if you're being honest, that people who don't like Kevin McCarthy have a reason for that. Mm -hmm. They have real concerns, real issues. But you'll notice that Dan Crenshaw didn't address any of those, none of them. Instead, he impugned their motives, their character, their intelligence, their moral standing. They're narcissists. In fact, and we're quoting, they are enemies now. Now, what you just saw, as Dan Crenshaw spoke, what you just saw is the snarling face of the donor class, revealed for all to see finally. The deep loathing of disobedient voters that may be their most passionate secret emotion. But they're not bothering to hide that emotion anymore. Now you know how they really feel. And that's the fact of the matter there. It's like, listen, we've heard it so much, but this week I heard some of the biggest people whose hair is on fire are the lobbyists, the consultants, the vendors, and the donors wanting to know what the fuck are they supposed to do because all the people that they're supposed to be getting money off of and getting money for aren't working. And uh, it's part of that whole you know, big machine that Kevin McCarthy's built that's kind of spilled over into the important things that he's supposed to be doing as an advocate, as someone who's supposed to be representing his constituents. I mean, nobody really believes that he represents his constituents out in California, even Mm -hmm. though his district's majority red, it's because it's military and, uh, you know, the entire state's a shithole. So 
It, yes. It's not like he's trying to bring big California ideas up to the Beltway and promote them throughout the country. We can wait for when Gavin Newsom decides to run for president, and then he could lie to us about how great it is here. Right. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that you know, you, you see these people losing their temper and their patience. These people, like Matt Gates, like Lauren Boebert, the ones who have spoken up on a regular basis, they haven't had a voice. They don't get the airtime. They don't get the print press. All they do is get repressed. They're election deniers. They're insurrectionists. You know, they're they're Trump MAGA threats to democracy. And they've actually had the opportunity to go out there and promote the things that they ran on, the Kevin McCarthy money that they've had to run against uh, in, in their own races over the course of the years. I mean, you know, even, even people like we've hammered MTG on this show so much. She she went out and, and talked to the press the other day and she was talking about people. She had mentioned Lauren Boebert and talked about money that she had gotten for Kevin McCarthy in in her latest race for her Congress seat in Colorado three. Listen, I'm extremely close with a couple people on Lauren Boebert's team. They fact checked her. They sent me the receipts. Right. Turns out Lauren Boebert didn't get money from Kevin McCarthy because of how she is ideologically principled now as a congresswoman, that does not line up with the non-work that he's done for the America First, the nationalist populist movement, any kind of Trump-era policies. It's not like Kevin McCarthy promoted, like he he says he wants to solve the border problem. Why doesn't he go out there and say, we need to go back to Trump-era policies? Troy Nels voted for Kevin McCarthy from vote one. I love Troy Nels. The guy's a sheriff. The guy served. Right. The guy's an awesome congressman. He's a firebrand. And, you know, he did a good interview with Steve Bannon. I'll give it up to the, you know, godfather of apparatuses. Uh, and, and Troy Nels really got into it. He said, you know, we need to get back to Trump-era policies and, and named it for what it is when the border was secure for someone that lived close to the border in Texas and served in law enforcement there. He knows what the deal is. And, uh, you know, based off the way historically things have gone down uh, inside the Beltway, Kevin McCarthy should have had a viable path to the speakership, even though we didn't fucking want him. But the fact of the matter is, it, it's healthy for debate. It's good for growing pains, and that's kind of where we're at. But, you know, believe it or not, Dan Crenshaw was not one of the, you know, worst ones we had heard. I saw Florida representative, supposedly Republican, uh, Michael Waltz on Fox News yesterday, and, and he's out there dooming just as bad, if not worse, as, as Crenshaw and the McCarthy team was. Let's hear him. Discussions going on with the Democrats about sharing committees, about not allowing subpoenas, about um, about having a one to one ratio of Republican and Democrat. Some of our moderates are getting fed up that are in Biden districts. They get a voice, too. And they're starting to talk about power sharing. That's what, you know, folks like my friend, uh, uh, Representative Bishop and the, and the others need to realize is they're going to find another door. Uh, and uh, that is 100 percent unacceptable. That's not what our Republican voters elected us to do. Oh. We need to work this out. They need to, to craft a path forward and we need to get to work. I don't agree with him on that last part. But every, listen, fear pointing uh, Kevin McCarthy to the speakership is never going to work. And I think that's why a lot of those people sat there with their arms folded for the entirety of this week. You know, oh, we're taking you off committees. Good luck running in your primaries. And they're like, no, don't care. I'm here now. I'm here for the next two years. going to make your life miserable. And, uh, you know, the ones who are coming over to vote for him now have made their point and they're making concessions. Historically, we will go back on this. And I hope heading into the 2024 general election campaign season, we've set new principles to kind of reset the way we do things in D.C. Like, 
the omnibus bill that passed a week and a half ago, that can never fucking happen again. You continuing resolution right. that to keep the lights on in the government or you shut it down because the rest of the government, I'm talking about the Senate and then the executive branch with the office of the president, are not functioning in a way that is prudent to this country. Sending $50 million more million to Ukraine and doing nothing to support our southern border, which we will get to in our next news segment. Because apparently Joe Biden's going, well, he's taking his show on the road. It doesn't, I don't know, though. It sounded like he had COVID again yesterday. So who the hell knows what's going on with that guy? Not many people ever do. But the fact of the matter is we can never let stuff like that happen again. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And, and you know, once we get over this Republican Speaker of the House right now, hopefully by today, we can really start to focus on what the root causes of a lot of the problems in Washington, D.C. is. As much as it's looked like it's Kevin McCarthy this week, he is such a small microcosm to the real big problem, and that is Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell yes. is what's wrong with everything in our federal government. He is allowed to be used the weaponized, pretty much liberal Democrat progressive administrative state because he bends his knee to Democrat regimes. And he is just causing so much problems right now, whether it just be in who is in the Senate to who's allowed to run in the Senate, how the Senate is ran, and then all the legislation that's getting passed, we have to figure out a way to combat him. I said it was going to get worse, and I proved it. At the end of the day, if they are not insurrectionists and election deniers and terrorists and white nationalists and, and MAGA Republicans who are threats to democracy, we're missing one of them. Oh, they're racist. <laughs> Saw MSNBC do a little hit piece on, you know, the debacle what that was the speaker votes leading up until today. Let's hear one of their commentators uh, just absolutely go for it like only they usually do. Thinking about watching this ordeal unfold is... Fox News's um, impact not only on the Republican Party, but actually also on Republican voters. I mean, what must the voters who sent these individuals to Washington think of our government oh, if okay. this is who they, they sent? I mean, the, you know, when you talk to some of these individuals, you get a sense that, you know, well, politicians are all crooks anyway, oh. and the government's a joke anyway. Oh. Or, you know what, let's burn it to the ground. Oh. And really, you know, that's what these people were sent to do, um, or to make a mockery of it. Oh. I mean, the other element here you touched upon a couple minutes ago, which is just that some of these individuals were people who uh, were really only elected based on a litmus test to stop the tide of diversity in the oh. country, the browning of America, the oh. fears that surround that. And so they were not elected to go do the work of government. And you're seeing that now. It's terrifying. It would be funny if it weren't for the fact that uh, we have real problems in this country that, that demand uh, problem solvers. And of course, these are not public servants, uh, but they are meant to act as our public servants. I mean, you know, what happens when the next crisis comes? It's it's disturbing. Holy shit. Wow. The browning of America? Yes. That's why people were running for office to prevent the browning of America. Can someone please define what browning of America means? Because if this is what they're... You might need, again, a, you might need a turkey timer for that. Yeah, their, their narrative with... Oh, because we want control of our southern border and the drug cartels to be uh, annihilated. And be, so those people that I guess a majority of them that maybe are brown in complexion because we don't want them coming here illegally. We're preventing the browning of America. So, again, we're racist and all of that garbage. I mean, yeah. Okay. How dare we? No, dare we? I. I and that's the other side of the coin that a lot of people, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, over the course of weeks or months, because all the ratings are down, 
are getting spoon-fed on a regular basis. I, I do recall this week on several occasions, uh, Florida Representative Byron Donalds was nominated for Speaker of the House. And I believe for the first time, either in a long time, modern history, or maybe ever, there's a possibility that we're going to have an African-American, said Representative Byron Donalds, in senior House leadership uh, yeah. on the Republican side. I mean, I know Hakeem Jeffries is is the Democrat, uh, you know, minority leader in this Congress because nobody else wanted to do the job, and he's one of Nancy Pelosi's best puppets. But the fact of the matter is, is out of all the things I was thinking about this week, and when you talk about money and special interests, lobby groups and consultants, vendors, all these people and which way they're going, you know, who who's better at this, who's better at that? Is it Kevin McCarthy, the, you know... Real solution, or are, are, are we going to get other ones? And then I'm, like, flipping through, and it's like, yeah, this lady has made some absolute amazing commentary on just how retarded the commentators are on, on some of these progressive networks. Listen to this one where she talks about the current problem with not being able to nominate a Speaker of the House has to do with the de-brownification of American politics. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now with this. Uh, you know, we, we let off with a little uh, Ambassador Grinnell. We jumped right into the latest on the speaker race, and now we're going to take it up another notch. We're going to hang out with some of our, well, one of our really good friends. Joining us next on the show from over at the Daily Caller. He's a commentator there. We like uh, when he provides it on Steak for Breakfast a little bit more. G.W. Gibbons, thanks for coming back with us. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Well, the pleasure is all ours. Hope you had a great holidays and a good New Year's. It's good to get you back in here. I know we've all been... Uh, not really much news to report on this week. It's been kind of slow up in D.C. I'm sure you guys haven't been busy at all, pretty much, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're just getting, we're just limping through. No, I mean, it's, it's been crazier than I've seen it in a very long time, and especially how it's all coming together on January 6th with the speaker vote is one of the one of the more ironic things I think I've seen. We were watching a little bit of MSNBC earlier, and they're already calling us the uh, they're already calling the uh, defectors, the election deniers, part two. Oh gosh, you know, really trying to get that narrative already going. So. It's interesting seeing them kind of defend these liberal outlets, defend Kevin McCarthy and defend and defend President Trump, too. It's very interesting watching how they react to the kind of inter the turmoil of the Republican Party. It's almost like they're choosing sides with like what they would want, preferably, which is interesting because, I mean, President Trump is President Trump. He's one of the greatest conservatives we've had and one of the best presidents we've had. So, like, it's very interesting to see them kind of back any kind of decision he makes. He's getting he's been and he's been getting a little bit of props for this McCarthy situation. Yeah, he certainly has. I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about it throughout the show. Past practice principles up in the Beltway. They had that straw poll in November after the midterm elections. They did achieve a slim majority in the House of Representatives. And even though he did not have enough votes to cross the threshold at the time, historically, who's ever had an overwhelming majority of the votes for nomination would pretty much just be handed speaker. I do think what we've seen. Since the midterm elections, definitely throughout the course of this week in the Chamber of Representatives over there, something that is extremely needed and healthy in regards to the growing pains that are going on in the Republican Party. It's also good to see for all the people that ran on MAGA, how many people really are at the end of the day. I think we're down to seven holdouts after the latest vote uh, here on the show. And, and you know, it's it's. It's not as clear-cut as it used to be. A lot of people like to run on America first, but we've actually gotten some pretty decent receipts on, on who actually is when, when, you know, by the time this gets to it, it looks like if three more people jump over to the McCarthy side right now, he's going to be Speaker of the House, and I know they want to get ahead of a lot of agenda items, including the border, which 
unfortunately, the Biden administration is catching up to them on because of their inactivity uh, since Tuesday. And, uh, you know, what do you what do you think? Kind of just looking at the whole situation. I mean, definitely historic. Haven't seen, you know, votes like this since the 1800s. And some of the stuff on the floor has been very serious. And some of the stuff on the floor has been pretty comical. I thought Matt Gates has been probably the most based of them all throughout the course of the week. Everything from, you know, just getting up there and shitting on Kevin McCarthy in front of everybody, even to resounding boos all the way to nominating Donald Trump for speaker, even though he also doesn't have a clear path to 218. And that was kind of just for, you know, shits and giggles. And then you have him trying to get him, uh, Kevin McCarthy, kicked out of the speaker's office because he's saying he's squatting there. So what have you guys been seeing about the whole you know, kind of mess that's been going on up there this week. Well, the thing is, I mean, I'm just glad we're going to Republican speaker at the end of the day, but like, yeah. this was all McCarthy was always supposed to be the guy. Right. And always supposed to be, but he, the, what Gates and them are saying and what, like why they're holding out. And you look at Bob good, Bob is one of the most ardent, most principled guys. Like they, I don't, I also, I don't know if they're, if McCarthy will even get this, these guys, like there's like Bobert Gates, these guys know that their, their committee spots are probably gone. They know that they don't need the money. They get grassroots campaigns as well as anyone else. So it's the reality is it's kind of like, what what do you do to these guys to try to make them bow, try to help them out? And I and I don't think that there's a path between there's a good good enough relationship between McCarthy Gates or and McCarthy Bobert and probably McCarthy Good. I don't I I was a little bit shocked about Dan Bush, but I think that makes sense to you know, some extent because the reality is what's going to come out of this is actually going to be pretty beneficial when you put say if they put Chip Roy on rules. They're not going to get anything through rules that Chip Roy doesn't absolutely eat alive if he's on there, right? So there's there is some some wins of those capacities, and you have to understand like that's kind of the game is played. Which I like like many Americans I think are going to look at this and be like, and now personally, do I love what's going on? Do I love how this has happened? Yes, I think it's amazing because we're seeing real discourse, real democracy. We're seeing we're seeing people be like, you know what, McCarthy reminds me of every other speaker we've ever had. How about we look out there and we find somebody new? How about we look out there and we find somebody that can actually that's going to be, you know, separated from big business, separated from all these all these different interests that are kind of manipulating how the house works. And that's and that's I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily going to beat that. We're still we don't know what's going to happen. It's not over yet, though. They did just lose about 13 people. So that's not a great sign. But I saw a couple of different rumors about how that might work. And I, I am also a little bit concerned about how uh, getting that legislation through in the future when you're looking at. You know, I saw something about Byron Donalds being co-whip of Tom M. Yep. Or I saw stuff of a which I think is interesting. I kind of like because you're going to need guys like Byron Donalds to whip these HFC guys to come to your side, right? But what happens when Emmer and Byron Donalds disagree? So it's very, it's it's going to be a very interesting way to go about it. But I, I, my biggest thing, and we talked about this how we need to uh, to you know grow as a party, right? We need to develop and we need to evolve and we need to start changing because right now it's not cutting it. So I think that this kind of shakeup could be beneficial by the end. Do I think do I think McCarthy's going to be speaker or not? Uh, I would say if I'm a gambling man, I would say I would bet on McCarthy. I would have bet on him from the beginning. But I'll tell you right now, Gates and them are not going down without a fight. So no, that's uh, some excellent points you make, and and honestly, it's the way we've pretty much provided commentary. We never wanted Kevin McCarthy. I don't think an overwhelming majority of the Republican base does. But just based off of, like I said, the way his, historically things have gone down when it comes to the speakership, both nomination and then, you know, votes, it pretty much was clear cut on on everything, you know, that was out there that he was going to be the guy at the end of the day. 
I, I do think, like you said, this is all going to make for some interesting, are we going to have Chip Roy on rules? Is Byron Donald going to get that associate whip spot? And then what happens? Like, okay, you remove some of the heavier hitters or the bigger voices in the House Freedom Caucus from, let's say, committees, but now you have two of their stronger members in, like, senior leadership positions. So does it kind of negate what Kevin McCarthy's plan is by punishment, not letting these people be on committees? He's already said multiple times this week he's never threatened that anyways. So it would be interesting to see if he does remove people like Matt Gates from committees, especially with some of the investigations that he's, you know, co-led on in the last uh, Congress to uh, not have the opportunity to continue that in, in, a, in a Republican uh, majority House of Representatives in, in 2023. So I, I just think like, you know, because of what the Biden administration's starting to do, we've talked about it on the show. We've seen kind of the way legislation has been easily passed, especially with Mitch McConnell in the Senate. You know, they had their little pal around uh, earlier in the week out in, in Kentucky. And now Joe Biden's heading to the border. When you start to connect all those dots and really look at how they've gone, I mean, they were able to break up Build Back Better and the Green New Deal and sprinkle them across other bills, including the omnibus with Mitch McConnell was instrumental in allowing Joe Biden to pass instead of passing it down to the to the House, uh, you know, just over a week ago. Joe Biden is going to be presenting an amnesty bill as kind of like the crown jewel of the second half of his presidency, which he thinks is going to gain his momentum going into the presidential, uh, you know, primary season, which he's all but announced. I mean, he said his family's on board with it. His team is. You keep seeing these bigger hitters, uh, you know, like Elizabeth Warren and uh, Gavin Newsom out here in California going on the news saying like, hey, listen, let the guy run. He's doing a great job. And that's kind of the narrative that they're feeding the public. Now, if we have a Biden amnesty bill come down the pike, and he and Mitch McConnell have gone pretty much public with how close they still are uh, from back in the Senate days. It's really alarming if we don't have strong leadership in the House to absolutely kill that before he can get back to the Senate and then eventually Joe Biden's desk, because that would be one of the biggest wins in the history of all presidents. We still talk about Reagan amnesty. It had a lot of pluses and minuses. But the fact of the matter, if Joe Biden can pull that off, even though he's so unpopular with, uh, you know, and the direction of the country is so bad, it would he's already been a legislative juggernaut thanks to Mitch McConnell. And it seems like we're still heading down that road right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. And then we're going to see, you know, if we can't if, if the leadership is having issues with the Freedom Caucus. Right. What, what happens then? You have the, like the moderate Republicans go to the Dem side and the bills become even more left wing. And then that's going to be a whole issue in itself. I the one thing that's interesting about Biden, I think that kind of tells but people are starting to learn and kind of understand when with these guys, especially an old, a guy like Biden, so old, so separated from probably the process of what's going on in his office and every day. A lot of the problem is and it's the same thing with the problem probably on the Hill right now with a lot of different people. These are these are staffers that are trying to make money. Yeah. People that are making these decisions for their members because it's and it's not it's not it's the system as much as anything else. Right. Because you can't be an expert on oil everything in the freaking world and still go out there and and be out and talk of knowledge you have to have these people but a lot of the people come like people come to the hill with with these intentions of doing things for money that's why they're there they're trying to be rich whether it's a congressman or it's a staffer and that's why you sit you you get so ostracized with guys like gates and guys like i mean and also like you'll have that argument gates comes for money he doesn't need it well that's that's the thing though. you still need these guys, even if even if he does come for money or whatever it is like he's going out there and he's being opinionated and he's being principled and principled people get ostracized. Like Bob Good is the most principled member. He's actually the member from where I'm from in Charleston, Virginia. Okay. He's the most principled guy ever. He I don't I don't see him bowing at any point unless he gets something that would ultimately change the country, like change the house heavily so that so and I don't I say that now and I'm looking in my half my guys are gone, you know. But the uh, 
it's the kind of thing like the there's a we're they're launching an attack on the system right now and that's what i loved about this like i didn't like i don't like the infighting and i'm you know we have to be the, we're trying to be the big 10 party we're trying to keep keep people together and try yeah. to get stuff through but this whole system clearly hasn't been working for america like not saying democracy in general but the way that the house the house works the way the senate works the way they operate how they launch bills how they you don't have to read them how they're written by lobbyists like how they're not like looking at the American people, what they're suffering with and what they're dealing with. And they're just injecting that into Congress without any regard for anything else. All you have to do is nod and say the right things. I will say primary season, though. Primary season is going to be very interesting for these hard right districts that went with McCarthy early on. Because guys like Gates, Gates is getting huge airtime. Yep. Like before he would they would never let him on TV. Like nope. he's not he was never a guy. That, but now that you can't ignore him. You can't ignore guys like him. You can't ignore Bob Good. You can't ignore Bobert. Like he, like they, they don't put Gates on Fox, right? But they just have to talk about Gates now. So all of these Americans are seeing what he's doing. Not necessarily saying they're going to fall in love with him, but they're going to see stuff that he does, and they're going to say to themselves, "Wow, I kind of agree with some of the stuff he's saying. Why is my member so anti that? Why is my member not thinking like this? Why is mine? And it's it's going to start building this pressure. But the only question is, is it going to be too late? Is 2024 going to be too late? Like, it's like when you talk about this amnesty bill that you're just speaking about with Biden, like that bill is going to be devastating. So, like, it's we have to be able to stop that stuff and still get to the primary so we can address some of these things. And I do like that. One of the things I like the best of McCarthy actually, you know, b- bowed down on was the fact that they're going to stop meddling in these primaries. Yes. Conservative candidates. That was something that I, we were dealing when I was uh, working more politically on the Hill and stuff like that and working with campaigns and whatnot. I, we were seeing a lot of that. We had guys out there that were getting, they were just couldn't, they couldn't afford, they were getting outspent left and right in primaries. They were dealing with all sorts of different pressure. They couldn't get on the right TV shows. They had the establishment actively working against them. And that shows that there's certain elements of the establishment, at least this small amount of money. I'm sure there's more money going to come from other places that, you know, a lot of stuff just ends up in bank accounts or the FTC filings. You're like, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting as well. But it's, it's going to be, uh, I, I, I'm, I know I was so negative last time I came on here about where we're going after that primary, but we just have to make it through this next two years without letting the country capsize. Like if we can get through and maybe see if DeSantis has got a good shot or see if president Trump can get back up there and see what's going on. You know, it's, and a lot of things can change. You never know. You never know if one of them might bow out or come together. I think that the the DeSantis Trump uh, separation is a lot lot different lot not nearly as much animosity as it's really sold to be i don't think i think that in a lot of ways they're very similar i think in a lot of ways they work off of each other by i mean DeSantis has seen what trump's done in the past he tries to improve it what he does in florida and vice versa so i i, I think there is a an a, a, uh, avenue for this i mean i'm not going to say that it's not going to get bloody knowing historically that we are always bloody we always come especially these days as republicans it's it's one of the we become the bloody side when it was the Dems that I always thought were going to go head to head of the socialists and have their big issue, but it seems they bowed over, they bended bent over completely. So we'll see. No, I mean, listen, that's that's just kind of the way it is. Survival it, right now is key for the Republicans. Uh, some new rules and parameters that we've set up heading into another primary season, especially a presidential primary season. I mean, right now, if you look at the the candidate field, it's pretty wide open besides President Trump. I know John Bolton's announced in the last 24 hours on some cable news show in, in Great Britain that he's going to be running for president. <laughs> but I guess 
him and Mike Pompeo have to worry about who's going to be like the neocon, uh, you know, nominee. And then President Trump's kind of still in a category of, of, you know, alone right now until some of the bigger heavy hitters get into the ring. But the fact of the matter is, is that, like, I think a lot of people are going to lick their wounds throughout the course of the weekend and maybe over the first couple of weeks of the, you know, once everybody gets sworn in. And then I think we are going to move forward because the fact of the matter is holding Kevin McCarthy to task, like so the very few people who are left doing it up on Capitol Hill right now is what's going to make for him actually having to do his job in addition to just raising a billion dollars every couple of years. And, and the fact that you can't take away the good things that Kevin McCarthy has done money wise. But when you look at all the other stuff that he's a very, one of the most, political opportunist I've ever seen in all of politics. And he knows how to play that fine line that doesn't piss off Donald Trump to the point to where he's like, okay, I'm done with him. Let's all just gang up on him. But he could still please the establishment, which he's done for a much longer time than he has since Trump's been in it. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And it seems like, you know, at the end of the day, this is going to be his chance. Uh, if he can get through, if not, I guess we're just going to continue to go down this road until either, you know, the people holding out get tired or Kevin McCarthy sees that, you know, we've gone weeks, maybe months. I don't think it's going to get like that, but the only way for us to ever get somebody else in like serious contention for speaker is if he vacated his nomination, which I don't see him doing. So that that's kind of where we're at. I also think part of the problem, there's two things I think that kind of really fed into the what the breakdown was today. You got all these members that want to go home, right? They want to go see their families and want to go do stuff like that. And I, and I understand, like, that's something as, like, I, again, I don't have a family as of yet. I'm, you know, still very young. But I know that weighs on a lot of the minds of the of the people there. It's having Kevin Hearn have to go to a funeral, yep. having um, what's his, Wes, Wesley from Texas have to go th- see his newborn baby. Like, that's stuff that, that they are... But that's always going to be a thing. Yeah, that's always going to be some kind of problem. That's always going to be some kind of thing. And I think that's a big part of it. Like that that has to that has to weigh in. And I know the 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 money thing is so so overwhelmingly strong. It's just a it, it's a it's a deep seated part of just any any element of it. It's like I, I don't know what kind of deals we're cut. I'm, if these deals aren't are these these deals aren't good by the end of this, these guys are going to get ripped in prime. Yeah, I'm talking all the HSD guys. You you guys are supposed to be the the bastion of American principles and American strength against stuff like like the stuff like that McCarthy puts out all the time, like stuff that Pelosi was. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I, I'm very uh, I'm very interested to see what happens from there. As are we, JW. It's early in the month, and we're going to want to have you back at some point later in uh, January. But we are going to live link you in the show description today. Where can we find you? Where can we find the caller? And uh, again, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to jump in with us. So, oh yeah, of course. So uh, the Daily Caller is the uh, Daily Caller on Twitter, Daily Caller on Facebook, Daily Caller on True Social. We're all over the place. We have great video content on YouTube. We have great video content on Rumble. We have we're and my, my personal sub is Joel. I'm Joel uh, W Gibbons V on Twitter. That's where you're gonna find me mostly. Uh, and besides, and then besides that, just if you go to our website, you're gonna see a variety. We have so many great reporters. We have so many great people that are out there holding the Democrats accountable and holding Republicans accountable too. Like the thing about the Daily Caller is we have reporters that are a diverse a diverse group and they're all care about one thing which is getting to the bottom bottom of what's going on they're not going to sit there they're not they're not and nearly as partisan as we're painted as so it's a it's something that i really really think is uh that i love working here and i really really hope you guys uh check it out 
And we really, really hope that you come back on the show with us because, like I said, when you jump on, we always make for some great content. This is the uh, one of the best commentators they've got over at the Daily Call, or we like it when he does it on Steak for Breakfast. J.W. Gibbons, thanks for coming on with us today. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right, joining us next on the show, she's the CEO and founder of Knight Agency. She's one of our great friends, one of our roving correspondents on the ground, too, during the midterm elections. Ms. Erica Knight, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me back. And thanks for always the warm intro, Ron. I can always count on you. Actually, for all of our listenership, we can always count on her. She's just extremely humble. But uh, no, we're glad to have you back. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've been watching all the stuff that's been going on up on Capitol Hill this week. Seems like the Senate was all systems go, but the uh, U.S. House of Representatives had some other plans. I have heard over the last couple of days, a lot of people who are connected to a lot of these Congress people who just can't seem to pick a speaker. We've already seen the, the 12th vote go no-go today for Kevin McCarthy. A lot of the consultants, uh, which is kind of the world that you operate in, it, it seems like they're getting a little bit frustrated that they can't get anything with their, you know, strategies for 2023 off the ground because none of them have been sworn in. What do you think seeing this debacle that we've had up there this week? Hey, look, I mean, how, I mean, you and I were heavily involved in campaigns and, and the whole thing. And how many people said day one, day one, I'm going to do this day one, I'm going to do this and this, and we're going to get it all done. Day one, we're doing nothing because nobody can agree on anything. I mean, we're sitting here, Hey, you know, I'm sure you and I probably think similarly about Kevin McCarthy, but Hey, we're sitting here doing nothing. And you know what? We look stupid. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really look good. You know, we, we heard some things overnight that they were kind of working towards a deal. Then we heard a deal was getting made today. And then we had Kevin McCarthy and Chip Roy of Texas both come out and says, we're, we're still working on the deal. It's it's not hey, finalized. I heard, I heard from people, boots on the ground last night, that it is very, very likely that we will have some kind of a deal today. Look, I mean, our our, our 20 friends over here have pretty much gotten whatever they wanted. It seems to me like we're going to get some kind of, we can call it a spy, I suppose, in the leadership meetings. I think we'll get a, a deputy whip of some, or, you know, something like that. That'll be there to check and balance it. And we can't just sit here and argue about it forever. You know, I think everybody's gotten what they wanted. I think we're probably, I mean, hopefully we're not sending trillions, trillions over to Ukraine again. I think, I think we've. We've dropped that a bit, but we we gotta we gotta do something so we can get to work. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And uh, if you just look at it, when you say everybody gets what they wanted, we still can have a scenario of Kevin McCarthy becoming the speaker, which nobody wants. Nobody in, in MAGA, nobody in America First really wants. Even if Donald Trump says, like, oh, I'll just give him a shot, whatever. Like, we all know in his heart of hearts he doesn't like it. I mean, he's heard the Liz Cheney tapes. He's heard his rhetoric on the House floor after January 6th. He's heard all that stuff. He's seen the emails. But the fact of the matter is we could still get to a Kevin McCarthy Speaker of the House, massive concessions, House Freedom Caucus, Associate Whip, and Matt Gates could still vote no, and nobody's wrong. You know, and, and, and they can go out, the people who choose not to vote for Kevin McCarthy, and it would be an extremely small majority, two, three people at the most, could say they didn't vote for him the entire time, and every time something goes bad, they could always say, well, we tried to tell you so. And uh, But I do feel like we need to go to work. Listen, if you would have told me even a week ago that Joe Biden and his disaster of a team was going to be able to get ahead of the crisis on the southern border on a Republican-majority House of Representatives, I probably would have fist-fought you. Not you, Erica, maybe Alan, but a person on the street 100%. <laughs> 
Because they went over two years of just absolutely denying it was like the, you know, Leslie Nielsen and Naked Gun when the building's on fire and he's saying nothing to see here, like literally for two years straight. And now Joe Biden is almost ahead of the Republicans making adjustments to Title 42, extending some of the restrictions for people coming in and going down to the southern border this weekend, which almost. Finally. Yeah, finally. But but makes me think we almost have to have some kind of a speaker of the House sworn in today so we can get our Congress working so they can jump back ahead think? of the narrative on him. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it'd be good. it's crazy. I mean, honestly, look at where we are. The, the House is all we've got. Yeah. Well, it's not I, like we're I mean, doing anything. Saw, I don't. Did you see that? President Trump put out a whole border policy yesterday. Yeah, we shared it. That was that was his second border policy video. This one specifically targeted, literally and metaphorically, the cartels, which is something that Brent we've been calling terrorist organizations. Yeah, for years, like military intervention, blowing up the places where they're making and mixing all these drugs. And hey, do- I am down with drug smugglers and human traffickers getting the death penalty. Why should they not? Absolutely. Somebody yeah, will like quote me too. on this someday and call me a radicalist. They'll find it up. But they're openly how operating. Us, how, much, how many people are they killing? Thousands, hundreds of thousands, thousands every year. And that's not including what they do inside their own country, uh, which which is, you know, just as bad as any third world nation on the planet where warlords essentially run the government, which is exactly what happens in Mexico. I mean, I saw on the news this morning, the cartels gave the president of Mexico, essentially they said you have 72 hours to release El Chapo's son who they caught two days ago, or all the gas stations will be burned to the ground in Mexico and all of the roads will become like no-goes. So the economy will will crawl to zero. And that's Maybe kind we of what we're doing. Him for like LeBron James. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure he'll have something great to say. You got to get one. Oh! There you go. But I mean, uh, yeah, besides up on Capitol Hill, we see President Trump's getting ready to make some moves. I think he's waiting for Congress to finally get settled before he starts to get back at it. We had Ambassador Grinnell on the show earlier today, and he was pretty excited about it as well. But he knows there's a lot of work to do and, 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 a, and a lot of holes in the Is dam. Is that guy not like the smartest person you ever met? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, you have referred to a lot of smart people to us, so I don't want to take anything away from Matt Whitaker or Devin Nunes, but he is definitely up there. And there's nothing. Listen, if you want to talk about what he did on the weekend, he'll give you just as an in-depth and insightful conversation as if you want to talk foreign policy with him. And it's like there's no in between. He's always a professional, but he's extremely funny. We love having him on the show. I, I, I think Rick Rennell, vice president. I was just going to say that. Great. I, I am gonna so on board with that. I wouldn't yep. hate it, and he was, I know he was one of the uh, early people after Donald Trump did not technically win the presidency in 2020 that they were saying could be a uh, dark horse candidate has come moved a lot more to the forefront. Now, listen, the, the list is narrowed over the people. There's people that you would have thought might have been vice presidential candidates a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe even some of our House representatives who have been misbehaving in, in to say it nicely, <laughs> as of late, and uh, kind of have taken themselves out of contention, so... Did you catch uh, Did you catch Lauren Boebert on Hannity the other night? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She doesn't care. Oh, painful, though. It was painful. I know. You know, sometimes when those junior congressmen go on and they don't realize how long those people have been inside the Beltway and how swampy they are, and, you know, whether it's the Botox queen, Laura Ingram, or Boomer Sweats, Sean Hannity, if they don't, if you don't have street cred, they will cut you off every single time and just give you like the worst boomer insertion narrative there. Did I tell you that story about how my six-year-old looked at Hannity on TV and he goes, hey, is that old Tucker? <laughs> oh. 
Wow. I might start referring to him as that now. Oh, Boomer Sweat's Tucker. old Tucker Hannity. I like that. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's it's true. And you, and you want to know what? It's good because I think like what's gone no on. No disrespect, Sean. <laughs> no, well, a little bit. It's just that his narrative hasn't changed in so years. But but like when those guys go on the show, I mean, Laura Ingram tried to take Matt Gates for a ride last night, and he's like, listen, you can say whatever you want. If this happens one way, like if the Democrats jump over and they nominate some BS Speaker of the House or they nominate Kevin McCarthy because they don't like me, I'm quitting my job. So well, you know, he also nominated Donald Trump. So I think that's the nomination yes. we don't deserve, but definitely needed. We needed to hear her because then she has <laughs> she could say Trump during the roll call, but afterwards she has to say the Honorable Donald J. Trump, and uh, <laughs> just to hear it in the House of Representatives, I think everybody kind of got a chuckle out of it, including Donald Trump, who shared a couple spicy memes that some of our great meme makers made yesterday in regards to uh, you know him being a potential speaker. I think the big thing when it comes to that, everybody needed to just realize, like, they're throwing all these names out there. Some people tried to float Lee Zeldin. I mean, you've seen some of the people they've nominated since this whole thing has started at the beginning of the week. But the path to 218, unless Kevin McCarthy removed himself from nomination, you could have no open debate on who else the speaker would be because it's not like you're going to get 200 representatives just to jump over to the other side. Right. So I think that's where the big disconnect was. And, uh... I think a lot well, of there's a lot there's a lot of people, including people in Trump's inner circle that are working day and night, having meetings, trying to get this deal done. I mean, at the end of the day, there's there's too many people pulling for McCarthy, like it or not, probably where we are. And, and when you go back to past practice principles, which Erica, you know, as a businesswoman is something that it's a thing. Like when they had their straw poll and Kevin McCarthy was around 200 his votes historically, even though I do like the debate that's happened this week, sometimes it's been funny with the whole, like, why is he squatting in the Speaker of the House's office and things like that. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if, like, something like the straw poll that happened and Kevin McCarthy was around 200 votes, it would it's not that you're giving it to him. It's that he won the majority of the straw poll, and it was by a lot. So the fact of the matter was... We could have avoided this, but, you know, you have heard a lot of stuff come out. He was uninterested in talking about alternatives. He was uninterested in making concessions all the way up through, like, this past weekend. And that doesn't look very good for him. So some people are going to lose committee seats. Some people that we don't want on committees are going to gain them. But I think as long as we do make that concession there where we hopefully get a House Freedom Caucus member in, like, an associate whip position, we should yeah, be okay. Are okay. interested in investigating Hunter Biden? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that need to be investigated. And, uh, I mean, listen, it's the anniversary of January 6th, and there's still, you know, several hundred people sitting in jail with no due process for two years now. So it's it's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, that's one of the Not things. Not only that, I mean, there's people sitting in jail that have been convicted for trespassing visitor centers. Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah, misdemeanor trespassing, and they got, like, a three-year jail sentence. Or more. Yeah. You know, I've, ta- I've spoken to a prisoner in the jail in D.C. Horrendous. They're still hunting people. People are still getting visits who were on the grounds. I know that for a fact because I know someone whose friend got a visit in California, lives in South Dakota, went to California to visit his parents and got a knock on his parents' door by the FBI, was shown photos, and he needs an attorney. Because actually, Ron, I reached out to Cynthia Hughes to tell her about it and to see if there was any... uh, legal counsel that she could provide for this Cynthia, Cynthia is a great friend of mine that's whose nephew I've spoken to in jail is, is her nephew Tim 
And I mean, she is amazing, does so much work for these poor people. And, you know, I just feel for her because at the end of the day, it's like, what, what can she even do? At she this needs point? a bigger platform, Erica. She needs a bigger platform. People need yeah. to help her get her organization and her word out. And that's part of the talks I'm having with her just to help her a little bit on my show, maybe give her, you know, some time every week and try to get it out as much as possible. And, you know, that, that's, that's what she needs. That's what they well, all need. I mean, that's what I want to see from Congress too. Let's do something about yep. this. I mean, we spent how long on this bullshit <laughs> witch hunt? I mean, come on, let's, Hey, I, I've said a hundred, like if you committed a crime, you should pay for that crime. Absolutely. But if you fairly, want, fairly, fair, you know, yeah. I, or, but anywhere, you know, but yeah. her nephew, walked into the visitor center with a Trump flag in a suit. Yeah. And he's been in jail for like four years. Yeah. Yeah. And now Sicknick's uh, family or partner, whatever she is, uh, yesterday filed, I think, a $10 million lawsuit against Donald Trump um, oh, for yeah. a wrongful, de wrongful death suit. And the two individuals who uh, allegedly assaulted uh, Officer Sicknick that apparently now they're saying led to his wrongful death when we the medical examiner already proved that no he didn't die from injuries from January 16 he died from a stroke days later which was and his I, second stroke a lot of people which, don't know right, that was his second stroke and now yesterday filed against Donald Trump uh, for 10 million dollars along with the to it, like I said, the two individuals that allegedly assaulted him. Well, when you look at the partisan January 6th committee report that came out, it's over 800 pages long. Donald Trump's name is mentioned almost 4,100 times. Ray Epps' name is mentioned zero times. The the bomber, they've just upped the ante on like, okay, let's see if you could really find out which FBI agent laid the pipe bombs at the DNC and RNC headquarters. We're going to up the ante on the, on the reward a little bit. And it's just like... I don't know. I feel like everybody's kind of all over the place. And like, the, I feel like Ray Epps is becoming a little bit more mainstream. Yeah. Now, you know, I think Tucker was talking about him last night again. You know, oh. it's like, I'd like to see him under subpoena in a Republican run Congress. That would be right? nice to see. Well, I think if we do investigate well, maybe that, if Congress starts working. Yeah, that's the thing. If they eventually get to work and he does come in, we're going to find out his his lawyer isn't going to be the only person that's a former FBI agent. I think we're going to find out that he was either that or one of those, you know, paid human assets that they have and have, have had for years. Just the way that it's so chronicled video wise, just to think that this guy has never seen the inside of a jail cell is absolutely ridiculous. But and the people that have been trapped in jail right? with like, I mean, I'm not kidding. When I talked to Tim, it was like they can come out of their cell like two hours. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Like it's not even just being in a jail cell. It is being treated like a freaking terrorist. Well, that's what it is. I mean, the, that the part of the jail where some of those people are in solitary confinement in Washington, D.C., that part portion of the prison was closed for over a decade and they reopened it just to throw yeah. those people in literally the deepest, darkest hole they have in Washington, D.C. And it's it's always been disgusting, but hopefully very soon we'll have a Republican House with a speaker that's going to do something about it. Um, Erica, we're going to direct our listenership to follow you. They'll be seeing you sharing the show today. Obviously, you're active on Truth Social, so what's your handle there? Well, it's Erica Knight because my friends at Truth Social won't just give me Erica. I've been <laughs> asking for it for a year. Let's see. We've got Cash and Devin coming up here on the show in the next few days, so we'll have to hassle them a little bit for you. Hey, guys. Just give me my name. 
hopefully Cash makes it this time. He really liked the uh, "Have you seen me milk carton?" one, and then gave us gave <laughs> that us was funny gave us that an interview funny. walking down Bourbon Street. It was pretty. You know what? There's a lot of shows where that's not going to happen, but it always is going to happen here. Erica, we'll live link you in the show description today. We always appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to come down and share a little bit of what you've got going on and providing some commentary on all the big news stories that are happening right now that's affecting everybody else. And uh, Yeah, we thank you for taking the time. This is the uh, – well, she runs a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and she's extremely <laughs> MAGA, one of our best friends. Erica Knight, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Of course, Ron. Thank you. But Mitch, uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't easy and uh, to get this done and it wouldn't have gotten done no matter all the work so many others have done and by writing the legislation and dropping it in, it wouldn't have happened without your hand. Oh. This wouldn't have been gotten done. And I want to thank you for that. Well, that was Joe Biden on the Kentucky-Ohio border earlier this week, not the U.S. Southern one that he will be making a trip to, apparently, this weekend. But he was out promoting Build Back Better and infrastructure with apparently great friend Mitch McConnell. Mm -hmm. Alan, did, did you catch any of that? You know, I didn't watch it because I was watching just – I was glued to the speaker votes, like just – Watch like watching paint dry, but just to know that they were together. I saw some little clips. I think actually maybe tweets that you sent out with them smiling with each other and this infrastructure. I, I it's scary to think how close these two are going to be uh, for the next two years and just the sabotaging that they'll do coming into the 2024 election. Yeah. Well, we would hear from the, uh, Official spokesman for Werther's original. Let's hear him gush, not gushers, gush over Joe Biden talking about infrastructure to deal with uh, the bridge for Kentucky and Ohio. Same segment. We all know these are really partisan times, but I always feel no matter who gets elected, once it's all over, we ought to look for things we can agree on and try to do those even while we have big differences on other things. Oh. And this bridge, I think, symbolizes the coming together of both sides oh. on something that both sides thought was important to try to get an outcome. You have a Democratic governor here, uh, Governor Bashir, a Republican legislature led by uh, Senate President Stivers, uh, Kentucky, House led by Speaker David Osborne, Chris McDaniel, from Northern Kentucky who took the lead on it down in the Frankfurt to provide the matching funds that we needed to make this project go forward. So it's not just this project, but the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill that the president signed. And you helped pass. Provides dramatic additional assistance. Uh, just looking at the Kentucky side of the river, this project plus other projects over $8 billion over the next uh, five years. This is really quite significant. And as we know, even though it benefits us in Ohio and Kentucky, nationally, this was one of the big projects in the entire country to deal with the crumbling infrastructure that we've all been talking about for years. And so we finally stepped up together and addressed it. It's also great to see the governor of Ohio here. We used to be colleagues in the Senate. Uh, governor DeWine and his team. So if you look at the 
political alignment of everyone involved in this. It's the government working together to solve a major problem at a time <laughs> when the country needs to see examples like this of coming together and getting an outcome. And so oh. I'm pleased to be here today to be a part of this. I encouraged it. I supported it. And I'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish oh. working together for the people of with all of the things and big projects they they could have worked on together bipartisan they're, they're talking about bridges and potholes and roads meanwhile i'm pretty sure roan between the two of us we could probably think of five to ten other enormous projects that impact our country that could be worked on in a bipartisan way yeah to say the least I, I think of a wall that needs a finishing. Yeah, I know that wall. Mm, where the we wall those that ones? other states are trying to to build on their own and protect, and then you know, in the in 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 the early hours of the morning, contractors are coming with equipment and pulling away those walls and container barriers. Right. Yes, sir. We had a uh, well. They were on the Ohio Kentucky border. But apparently it's not the only one Joe Biden's going to be visiting this week. Mm. It, it was announced yesterday that Joe Biden will be making his first trip ever in his nearly 50 years of both congressional vice presidential and now in his role as the former vice president <laughs> to the U.S. southern border and El Paso on Sunday. Um, if he doesn't catch COVID or anything in, in, you know, in lieu. True story. We have had... A lot of developments going on in Mexico over the last couple of weeks. It's been reported that there was a massive prison break in Juarez, which is right on the other side of, of Texas. And um, a lot of the career criminals were now commingling with the people who are claiming economic asylum in the United States, just trying to blend in. In addition mm-hmm. to that, earlier this week, El Chapo's son, who apparently runs... I guess some of his dad's old dealings cartel-wise in Mexico was apprehended by Mexican military authorities and has been jailed, to which the cartel has given the Mexican government as of today 72 hours before the entire country uh, basically is burnt to the ground to release him. Yeah, aren't they threatening to burn down gas stations and do some, you know, block roadways and basically, you know, they'll... Hang They'll people from bridges. People. Yeah, all the yeah. normal stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just I, I saw a bunch of tweets on it. It was business as usual. But let's hear about some of the stuff that's going down in Mexico right now. Escape from a Mexican prison in a bloody jailbreak just 16 miles from the U.S. border. And now it seems officials' worst fears are confirmed. Following a report that one of the most dangerous fugitives in that jailbreak was spotted at the U.S.-Mexico border. Also among those on the loose, a gang leader with ties to El Chapo's Sinaloa drug cartel. Mm, sounds perfect. So can't wait to see if uh, he's already out. And, uh, you know, will these people be crossing into the United States? Who knows? Joe Biden held a press conference yesterday. He was talking about tailorings, I guess you want to call it, that they're making to Title 42 related materials, Trump-era policies that the Biden administration, along with Alejandro Mayorkas, who we'll also hear from in a bit, um, you know, have just destroyed. And it's basically down to like its last few threads. Apparently, the Biden administration wants to 
mess with it a little bit more. Let's hear part of his conference. The previous administration used a rule called Title 42 to deal with to deal with the pandemic. Oh. A rapidly to rapidly expel people who crossed the border. It was designed to deal with the pandemic, but it's used as a means to expel people at the border. People turned away under Title 42. And they're not and, 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 and they're not barred from trying to come back. They've been turned away, they go back, they try again, they try again. Well, you know, they can and they do try to re-enter the United States again and again, which makes the problem that borders at the border even worse. Mm. I, I don't really think that's so the way it works. No, no. At all. No. But uh, that's what he was going with. He heard him remixing a little bit on the teleprompter right there. I don't know if it, it stuttered or it was just him. <laughs> but uh, don't worry. They've come up with a new comprehensive plan to deal with whatever they think is inhumane about Title 42. This is going to prepare our listenership for this in case you missed it yesterday with all the Speaker of the House stuff going on. Let's hear it. <laughs> Over the summer, we saw a huge spike in the number of Venezuelans traveling through uh, through Mexico and attempting to enter the United States without going through our legal processes. There is, we responded by using uh, uh, and ensuring that there are two safe and lawful ways for someone leaving the country to come to America. And that was one of the reasons you, uh, you were proposing. Oh. First, if they're seeking asylum, they can use an app on their cell phone called CBP1, O-N-E, CBP1, O-N-E. That's to spell it out, not the number one. Oh. To schedule an appointment at a port of entry and make their asylum claim there without crossing the border unlawfully and have a decision determined by an asylum officer, do they qualify? Second, in October, we work with the Mexican government to launch a new parole program. There's another program called, you all know it, but the public may not, called the parole program that immediately showed results by reducing the number of people crossing the border unlawfully. The way this parole program works, one must have a lawful sponsor here in the United States who agrees to sponsor you to get here. Then Stop it. that person has to go undergo rigorous background checks oh, and apply wow. from outside the United States and not cross the border illegally in the meantime. We have had like back what? to back to back to back biggest numbers of at the border apprehensions. In addition to that, there's been so much investigative journalism that has proven in some cases these people are literally getting bagged minusculely tagged and immediately released into the United States. I just, I don't understand how they're able to go up there and just lie at the levels they're doing it, but they, they've made it into almost an art form. Am I right in saying, Roan, that they're expecting the people that want to come here uh, desperately from the squalor and violence? Third world that, that Yeah, yeah. That they that they have all have smartphones with Wi-Fi and they can use this app. That was, I mean, usually technically you get the cell phone after you apply for asylum, so I don't know how it right. works. Right. So then they like, all right, you're here. Here's your, well, we'll call it a Biden phone now, not an Obama phone. And then you just download this app and then request it, and we can work. We can do it that way. I don't understand. 
Well, there's going to uh, there's going to eventually be a fall guy in all this. I bet you we can all guesstimate on who it could be. Joe Biden teases a little bit. Let's hear him. Secretary of Homeland Security Marcus will detail these actions very shortly after I finish at Homeland Security. So, yeah, it, it would appear that they're going to be directing a lot of the I don't want to say blame because it hasn't started yet, but it already has started. But if you kind of read between the lines, what he said essentially is that in addition to all the people who are just going to completely ignore that and walk up to the border anyway, historic numbers, the numbers like we've never seen before in the history of this country. Now they're going to allow people from other countries, European Mm -hmm. countries, Asian countries, African countries, lower Mexico, South American countries. They can get on this app. They can apply. And when their number comes up, they can come to the United States. They go up to a port of entry, they get processed, and then they're given immediate work authorization, which is good for two years. Now, if I was coming from the third world, let's say it's war-torn or more of a, maybe you're an economic migrant. That's how you Mm -hmm. identify your uh, immigration pronouns. And you're given two years to work freely as a non-citizen of this country. There are several ways... One being the right way of going through the process of, you know, gaining your status in this country and then eventually working towards citizenship. Or there seems to be a big loophole in the immigration system that once illegals are here, they can use. It's got about a nine month turnaround, which would make them essentially deportable because they now have a U.S. citizen child. Oh, did I say that out loud? Yes, it's called having babies. Ah, uh, yeah. Why would you give someone two years to be here, especially if they're like family units, when all they got to do is literally bang one out and that's their meal ticket to U.S. citizenship, at least permanent residence, overnight due to the birth of a child? Like, it's really hard in my eyes for people who abuse the fact that if you're born in this country, you're automatically a citizen for them to bring the entire family here and then just use that as it's a term that we don't use anymore, but as an anchor baby. Um, right. And that term basically means is that that baby means that you can't break up the family unit and you can't send the adult parents back with an infant child, even though you should 100%, especially in cases that where they're making it to almost like a special situation. We're going to let you in under this special asylum app and you get two years to work here and do all the fun stuff that us citizens want to do, but you're not, doing anything except waiting for your asylum case to be heard. But if you have a kid, that probably takes you out of the running for any of that stuff and gives you the fast track to whatever it takes to eventually gain citizenship in this country. It's fucking ridiculous. And it's all, I think, set up for utter failure. And you said something key about a fall guy. And this is almost like, uh, yeah, I was a big fan of that show, uh, House of Cards. Mm. And it, 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 I almost get that vibe, like, they know this is going to fail. They know the Republicans want some accountability. They know they're controlling the House now, and they want Mayorkas. They want Mayorkas. They want Garland, and they want Biden, of course. Is this their – they know it's going to fail, and is this going to – they know it, and this is going to be their throw the bone, give them Mayorkas, and then they can turn their back on him and say, oh, look, you know, we, and just – you know what I'm saying? Like, just they they know it's just going to be an utter failure, and this is it's set up to fail, and they're setting Mayorkas up to be that fall guy, so that kind of everybody is happy. So the Democrats let let him, let the Republicans go after him because this was failed policy, and the Republicans got what they wanted, maybe to take shadow away from Merrick Garland and other things. I don't know. No, I mean I agree with you, and and, and you know, when you just think about it, it's like. 
this is almost set up perfectly to where all they're doing is they're going to be hiding extra illegals within the numbers. And, and, you know, we're going to hear a little bit more of that in just a second, but before I don't want to kind of like speed up the process here, unlike the Biden administration is doing in regards to immigration, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is officially doing the rounds now as he's been anointed the key master of this application that's going to allow for, in addition to the unprecedented numbers at the actual physical border, up to 30,000 extra more people coming in and getting free reign in this country in lieu of not being citizens here. Uh, you know, basically in the blink of an eye, he, he did a sit down panel interview with CNN today. They kind of hammered him a little bit. Let's hear the uh, DHS secretary. In the hands of you now and the Biden administration, I would just finally say that border officials have been consistently telling Rosa Flores, our colleague, they feel abandoned um, by this administration, by the federal government. So why has it taken two years for President Biden to go to the southern border? Poppy, um, uh, we have been dedicating uh, our efforts to the situation at the border since day one. Uh, We are incredibly proud of our frontline personnel who are tirelessly and selflessly dedicated uh, to the mission. The the president knows the border very well. He has um, had his secretary of Homeland Security visit multiple times since the very uh, initiation of the administration. And he's going to um, to see the border not for the first time um, in his uh, public service career uh, this Sunday. And I'm looking forward to joining him there. Oh, God, they're both going down there. That's good. That shan't go over well. Uh, yeah, they, they, they weren't done, and they wanted to know, in addition to why it's taken Basement so long to actually get his ass down there. And and you heard him slip in there. Uh, this actually isn't for the first time in his political career. Yes, it fucking is. Just because you've gone to the state of Texas, it doesn't mean that you've gone to the border. And and that's the big thing that they always try to say Joe Biden has. Oh, yeah, he's he's been to the border states. Yeah, well, no fucking shit. There's a lot of them. I'm pretty sure he's went to Arizona at some point in his life, probably New Mexico. We know he likes to come out here in California when he goes and stays in, in some of those big Beverly Hills mansions that his donors own when, when he's out visiting Gavin Newsom. Does that mean he he went down to the southern border up in Los Angeles? I don't think so. Right. But uh, that's always the big pass they're always trying to give him. It's all optics. It's all a scam. And I'm not, I'm not convinced he's going to be at the border we'll see what at the border means uh if and when he's actually there on sunday they asked what constituted a crisis and do we think we have one i wore out the garrison button on the last one let's see if we could do a little bit more do you secretary qualify what is happening on the border right now as a crisis you know uh we um we have seen the situation at the border uh, managed in an orderly way. We have seen it in extraordinarily challenging circumstances as well. You can rest assured, Poppy, that we're doing everything that we possibly can to build a system Not that a provides humanitarian relief in a safe and orderly way while trying to persuade Congress to fix what is a broken system. I understand that. Um But just what you're seeing, what you've seen the 20 times you've been there, the record number of migrants at the southern border in last year, it was nearly 2.4 million. If that's not a crisis, Secretary, what is? Uh, 
You know, you know, Poppy, uh, we have seen 2.4 million encounters uh, at our southern border, and it is reflective of the greatest level of displacement of people in the world since World War II. It is reflective of a migration challenge that is gripping the entire hemisphere. Shut up. He's oh, man. If they said choose my brain hurt. If they said choose Biden or Mayorkas, I'm sorry for our listenership. Uh, Nobody wants President Trump back more and swifter than we do here on Steak for Breakfast. I think Mm -hmm. I would go with Mayorkas first just because of what he structured. I mean, Joe Biden's the empty suit. His policies come from all the Obama handlers that have followed him up to, you know, his term in offices, the former vice president. And the fact of the matter is, is that Alejandro Mayorkas has systematically done a millionfold the damage that he did when he was the corrupt director of CIS under the Biden administration, or I'm sorry, under the Obama administration and had to resign in disgrace there for pay for play visas amongst other things. I did see last night freshly sworn in Senator because they're actually getting to work up there in the upper chamber. Ohioan JD Vance sat down with Tucker Carlson and had a little bit of commentary on the border and this situation, what's going on with the, uh, you know, Joe Biden application, Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, there's um, not a crisis. Uh, and, and you know, he campaigned hard on the border, even though he's up in Ohio and uh, talked about it with Tucky a little bit. Let's hear him. Joe Biden has issued an immigration executive order that would basically sweep these massive crowds of people under the rug. It would hide them from cameras, but it wouldn't solve the fact that the country is being invaded at the invitation of the president of the United States. So we've got a lot of problems, Tucker, and I think it's time for the Republicans to really use the next two years to fight and get some victories where we can and where we can't get victories, because, of course, Joe Biden is still president, to at least hang the political consequences around the Democrats. So that in 2024, we, we, we can actually go to the American people and say, you know what? We tried to do something. We tried to fix the problems. We need something better in a president to make that happen. Very optimistic for the uh, freshman senator from Ohio. Yeah, I think he's going to do some great things and uh, we'll, we'll be tracking him. You know, going to have a lot of pushback with Mitch McConnell in the Senate. He's another amnesty lover, even though he claims not to be. Because um, he likes to make concessions with, we have to address DACA. So, yes. you know, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. It's, it, there's no room for that garbage, and uh, there's, there's no room for what's going on right now in regards to the crisis at the border. Uh, I believe we talked about it off air. Another Border Patrol agent was shot uh, yeah. just in the last 24 to 48 hours, four times by an alien smuggler who, after he shot the Border Patrol agent four times, thankfully none of the bullets uh, did anything to him because he was apparently wearing his body armor, as reports from Breitbart and Fox News have, have all but confirmed. After he left the four-time shot Border Patrol agent on the side of the road, the person who the Border Patrol agent was trying to apprehend got back in his car, went on a high-speed chase, and was involved in a rollover crash, and he had six illegals in his car. Thank God there was no deaths. Other, I mean, I could give two shits about the smuggler, but the people that he was probably being paid to, you know, traffic into the country weren't killed either because we we all know when you're sneaking into the country, probably in the trunk of somebody's car, the first thing you do is buckle up, right? Right. So after, after he shot the border patrol agent four times and attempted to murder him in cold blood and then get into the, a car accident, um, did they release him yet? 
<laughs> I wouldn't. I would not be surprised <laughs> if he was. And uh, as we're rounding third here and heading home, Alan, you do know this is a. Uh, what we have today is like uh, a reminder of how absolutely stupid our federal government is and how shitty they are ran on a regular basis. We did have some massive virtue signaling in regards to the uh, anniversary of January 6th, uh, the, the day that put democracy on the ballot for all ballots to come. And, of course, in addition to like a congressional moment of silence and this, that, and the other thing across whatever – Mind you, again, the only person that really, well, the only person that died on January 6th was Ashley Babbitt. She was murdered by a Capitol policeman who still, to this day, uh, I believe has his job. In addition to that, he was given a gold medal. Yeah, he was. Murdering Ashley Babbitt. Hailed a hero, doing a perfectly executed use of force, apparently. But, you know, (sighs) Buffalo Man sitting in Nancy Pelosi's chair and then a couple guys wiping shit on the walls of Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell's offices is like... Worse than, I believe they said, the Civil War, 9-11, World yeah. War II, Pearl Harbor, you name it, combined them all together, times it by 10, and we're almost to January 6th. Almost, but not quite. January 6th was worse. I really didn't want to have a as big of garrison button-induced second news segment here, but here we are, Joe Biden making comments on the date uh, today from up on the Capitol. Let's hear him. Two years ago, on January the 6th, our democracy was attacked. Oh. No other way of saying it. The U.S. Capitol was breached, which had never happened before in the history of the United States of America, even during the Civil War. Oh. A violent mob of insurrectionists assaulted oh. law enforcement, Rams. vandalized sacred halls, oh. hunted down elected officials, all for the purpose to attempt to overthrow the will of the people. Oh, my gosh. I really wish that that's what happened. I mean, it sounds like the next big Tom Clancy, Michael Bay show on Amazon yes. Prime, uh, but it's not the reality in which we operate in on, on a daily basis. And we say it over and over again. Yes, people should not have went inside, but were they invited? Sure looked like it on television. Were there feds all over the place who got in trouble 0% for any of the things they did, whether it was also hitting police officers, also doing property damage, baiting people in there, in doing whatever. In addition, you got Ray Epps, you've got the Capitol policeman who murdered Ashley Babbitt, you have the extremely partisan January 6th non-select sham committee uh, that put out just like a one-sided narrative of however Nancy Pelosi wanted her documentary, which was filmed by her daughter, who works for HBO, literally filmed on the day of the Capitol. So weird that they were there. You've got Muriel Bowser that's complicit. You've got so many different people who were working against President Trump at that time and have just turned it into something that it's absolutely not and never will be. Mm. And, yeah, you know, it's like we talked about with with everyone. I think JW mentioned it. Ambassador Grinnell definitely mentioned it. History will look extremely favorable on President Trump, especially in his first term and all the stuff he had to deal with. I definitely think in years to come, Washington, D.C., We'll get back to a little bit more normalcy. We'll operate more in a for the people instead of for their pockets like they do now. And, and, and you know, just kind of bring back so many things that really did have us on the path towards making this country great. Uh, because the country couldn't have been that great when Donald Trump was president, even though some of his policies were just so cutting edge and so comprehensive. The fact of the matter is so many people 
from outside of the Republican Party, which means Democrats, and inside the Republican Party were working against him, that the man was never going to have the successes that he worked towards and deserved. No. Did he make a lot of bad decisions and poor hires and things like that along the way? Sure, but so does every other politician. I mean, you find a politician who's had any prominence in, in D.C. politics and, and long standing. Look at Mitch McConnell. You, you think the people around him are like class acts who have our listenership's best interests in mind. They honestly wish we would all be dead and that we could all be replaced with the people who are coming in across the southern border. Right. That's literally their narrative. And uh, out of all the people we have on this show, one of the ones who hits hard and hits home with me on the January 6th narrative is the former acting attorney general to the United States under the Trump administration, Matt Whitaker. He'll be joining us a little bit later in the month. I saw him on Newsbacks yesterday talking about this ahead of Joe Biden speaking. And uh, he had a little commentary for it. Let's hear it. It marks two years since the January 6th protests at the Capitol. The New York Post claiming Biden is turning this date into a national anti-Republican holiday. Uh, Biden's also yep. holding a ceremony today to commemorate this date. Uh, what do you make of this? Well, again, the Democrats seem to be willing to take any advantage that they perceive and exploit it. Uh, the American people know what January 6th was know what it wasn't, uh, you know, it was obviously a group of individuals uh, that rioted and assaulted police officers and did things that were illegal. And those people have been prosecuted. Political violence is never acceptable. I think a lot of Republicans uh, asked Joe Biden, you know, what's he doing about, you know, the summer of 2020 yep. and the commemorations of the anarchists and radicals uh, that tried to attack and burn down uh, the White House. I mean, I think that's, uh, again, we can't have this discussion. And Joe Biden uh, it's very convenient for him to have this in a vacuum. But, you know, the long story short is there needs to be a more uh, broad based discussion on political violence. This just demonstrates that the Democrats aren't honest about, you know, protecting American families. That yes. All they care about is scoring political points. So. Republicans have said they do intend a more robust investigation in the new year. We've got to elect a House speaker first. Uh, maybe yeah, that will happen today. <laughs> uh, former Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker, great having you back on. Happy New Year, Happy sir. New we appreciate year. you being here. And, and we can't wait to have him back because maybe we'll, you know, by the end of January, be a little bit more down the road and uh, in the initial phases of what the next January 6th congressional inquiry is going to look like. What do you think, Alan? I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the next uh, congressional inquiry of January 6th uh, should include uh, Ray Epps, yes. uh, members of the uh, federal government, including the FBI and uh, the Capitol Police. I mean, let's not forget everybody that today is the second anniversary and we have to recognize the country's best doorman, the United States Capitol Police, and they even received medals for their brave door opening and barricade moving actions. Mm. Okay. They failed at their jobs. They did not protect the Capitol. I am pro law enforcement. Many, many, many good friends who are police officers who know the job and know what to do. I'm sorry, but if you go back and look at that video of Ashley Babbitt's execution, yeah, which I am getting attacked relentlessly for on Twitter, where these Democrats, these liberals are literally wishing death on me, telling her that telling me that she deserves what she uh, got, uh, did not comply. And if you watch that video, I had a candid conversation with uh, Rudy Giuliani about this at an event. And he he actually said to me, he says, well, Alan, you know, I, I never noticed that. And I talk about it extensively. If you watch the video of the two uniformed Capitol Police officers there seconds before Ashley Babbitt, uh, was crawling through that window. They were there. They whispered something to each other. weren't quite sure what they were being told, possibly. And they left their post. They stood there securing that door. 
and left their post. And then Ashley Babbitt started crawling through the window and she was shot through two doors that that coward, I believe his name, I'm not going to say his name, that Capitol Police officer, that coward, shot her through, was shielded by. And someone actually wants to have the audacity and say, well, she had a knife in her pocket. Oh, did she? I, I, I never heard that. This is what we're, these are the things that we need to be uh, looking at. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, what her, what, what the role of her daughter and the film crew and the emails and the phone calls and the National Guard. I mean, it's, it's wild. We're in year two and we have no answers because we had an unselect committee completely biased with rhinos on it and, and, and horrible liars giving this one-sided shit show Broadway badly produced play to the American people yep. and, and no defense, no witnesses, no nothing, Reading no due process, no due process and a waste of our money. Our money don't another thing you mentioned, Rowan, earlier, just about, you know, things that need to get done. And, you know, find me a Democrat, a working class Democrat that did not have more money in their pocket, their bank account and 401k under the leadership of President Donald J. Trump. Find me one and I will call them a liar. Yep. It's just we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, we do. And we haven't even touched on the DOJ this episode, and they're just as complicit in everything that went down with January 6th. Oh, yeah. And what fallout after looked like, I mean, you know, as, to the best of our knowledge, we've been told by multiple people that they're still looking to scoop up. And, I, you know, I don't want our listenership to not understand how big this number is. People who were friends with people who were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Yes. So let's just say you're a person that never went. Maybe you liked their post. Maybe you commented something you wish you didn't. The fact of the matter is, is the DOJ is looking to put out two to 3,000 more arrest warrants this year for stuff related to what happened on January 6th two years ago. So you might just be a normal person who liked somebody's top-tier shit post about, you know, carrying the podium through the Capitol Rotunda, and next thing you know, you got the FBI showing up at your job to ask you some questions. Mm-hmm. You get fired. You know, what if you get kicked out of your house? Who knows? And you and, might be a top tier shit poster. You might be, dare I say, Rome, mm. a conservative podcaster that speaks in defense of January 6th defendants and what January 6th really it means and exposing the truth, getting pictures of, of, of you shown to other people asking who you are or because you might say something against the government, against the DOJ against Democrats that, that the FBI, the weaponized DOJ and the FBI will show up at your door. I mean, it is happening to people now that we know now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's scary. I, 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 I wonder when I, my, I'm in New York. I haven't been to DC since Donald Trump's inauguration. That's the last time I was in Washington, DC, probably saying that might get me a visit from the FBI. I proudly attended the inauguration and with my bagpipe band, one of only two, proudly marched Donald Trump down Pennsylvania to the White House, led him to the White House during after his inauguration. And I'll probably get a visit for that. Yeah. Just uh, of my criticism. When's my photo going to be shown to an FBI agent? Hey, you know this guy? Well, we want to talk to him. Mm. Well, I'm in New York. You know where to find me, people. Give me a break. You don't have to come find us. I don't want to have to deal with that bullshit. <laughs> But we are going to end on a little bit lighter note. If you were, let's just say, in our listenership and and 
a betting person, there was a lot of money you probably could have wagered on. Well, maybe not in the Speaker of the House race, but in other things. One thing for sure, we'll keep it in the unselect committee a little bit. I don't know if you saw, they may have lost Tubin Lubin. They may have lost Mr. Potato Head. But America's number one news source, uh, CNN, picked up a big, big heavy hitter this week, straight from the January 6th committee. Let's hear it in our last audio clip of the week. Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger. I am pleased to welcome him to CNN. He's appearing tonight for the first time in his new role, which is senior political commentator. And Congressman, we really are thrilled to have you on board. So welcome. Uh, welcome. People have seen you over the past, of course, couple years of the January 6th committee, and uh, we're, we're oh. so glad to have you on board. Um, so it's great yeah. to be on the team, by the way. Oh. Thank you. I'm yeah. excited. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I, Ron, I'm going to imagine their ratings are going to skyrocket now for just people looking and wanting to hear what stupid things come out of this crybaby diaper wearer's mouth. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. But we all knew this was going to happen. I know. We all knew he was going to land. Somewhere. I know. Whether it was CNN, MSNBC, but literally it wasted no time. Boom. I'm out. I'm in. He, It's crazy. I would say, like, he wasn't even a congressman for 24 hours, but he wasn't even really a congressman while he was a congressman. But he was officially out of his current job duties and into his role as private citizen, news reporter, senior correspondent, bringer of fake news, Adam Crybaby Kinzinger, uh, within moments of, of being relieved of his duties up on Capitol Hill. So I uh, will be tracking some of his hot takes over the course of uh, his new career. We want to, of course, wish him the best and hope he doesn't cry too much. Um, we know some of our meme makers, mostly peaceful and grand old memes, hit him hard and usually get some clap back from him, but uh, then they just make more memes and he cries more. So, yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, busy end of the week here. Uh, McCarthy lost another vote. He's still four-ish away. We're going to have to wait to see. I, I do think McCarthy's going to be ordering some pizza or Chinese later to get these people uh, to vote before we head into a weekend. You know, some of our guests today did talk about, like, having to leave Capitol Hill and not being able to vote in person due to family-related issues, medical-related issues. There's also a lot of people who are first-time Congress people who brought their entire family up to Capitol Hill. You yes. saw some of the votes, kids sitting on their parents' laps or sitting in the vacant chairs next to their parents, and it's like, at some point, how many unexcused absences do you have? you got to send the kids back home with either mom or dad and get them going back to school, plus people whose spouses work. Obviously, this is a big event. Probably a lot of people got time off, but the fact of the matter is it just can't just be like a week's thing. Uh, we're down to he needs three or four more votes to become speaker. So for as much as we don't like it, it seems like it's almost, as Thanos would say, inevitable. And uh, one thing that's also inevitable is I'm always thankful for when you come on the show, Alan. We know you've got this cigar company. Obviously, we're teasing that in the beginning and end of the show. But for everyone that's not following you on social media, we're going to live link the podcast as well, The Great Divide today. Where can everybody check you out? Really easy. You can get my Rumble channel. I do uh, about three or four live shows a week. It's 1776live.tv. I've been really active on Twitter. My Twitter following is uh, like tripled since I went back on it. I'm over there at Alan Jacoby 1776 And the only correct way to spe spell Alan is A-L-A-N. So that's Alan Jacoby 1776 And I'm on Truth Social at the Great Divide Podcast. It is always great to be on Steak for Breakfast. It is my favorite podcast and you're well well our favorite guest host when you come on i mean we don't have too many of them but it seems like you do it frequently enough to uh 
own the title of favorite. We're not going to give you a gold medal like the Capitol Police officers got, but we really appreciate you. <laughs> well, I'm not going to shoot anybody in the face either, so don't worry. Are you listening to FBI? He's not, not going <laughs> to shoot anybody in the face. Alan, it's been great uh, with having you in today to jump in and do the news with me and, and sit through all of our amazing interviews, and we'll be looking to circle back with you at some point in the very near future. Well, I don't like being in the studio by myself, but since I'm here, I guess I could just tell you how much more I appreciate the pod team. Noah, Antoinette, we missed you guys today. We are looking to have you guys back in full force next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode of Steak for Breakfast and you want to hear the now over 200 other editions of the podcast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. Obviously, our guest host, Alan Jacoby, host of The Great Divide, CEO of Patriot Cigars. Former ambassador to Germany, great friend of the show, Rick Grinnell. Conservative consultant, Erica Knight. And senior commentator for The Daily Caller, J.W. Gibbons. We really appreciate everyone who takes time to come out and make steak great again. Speaking of which, don't forget to throw some of your hard-earned cash at our partners, because when you do that... Well, you help make small American businesses great again as well, namely my pillow. Everyone loves sleep, and most of us enjoy coffee. Mike Lindell's got you squared away in both. You enter promo code STEAK at checkout, you're going to get big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep-related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever worn can only be found at odyssey if you're in the studio you're serious writing music you're recording doing podcast make the investment odyssey.com is the website find them on facebook and instagram as well my patriot cigar company remember when you enter promo code stake here you're getting 15 off your total order everything over 100 bucks free shipping 10 e gift card with every purchase mypatriotcigars.com a premium smoke for freedom loving patriots stay ready gear holsters man if you want the uh, Speaker of the House gavel on a concealed carry Kydex holster, they'll get the orders out faster than ever before. Send them your concept art. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. I man rubs some chicken this morning and I threw it in the crock pots. So that's what I'll be having for dinner tonight. The perfect compliment to all of your protein entrees when you're eating them dinners there. ManRubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram too. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. The newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like everything they got in their store. You're going to love their Instagram just a little bit more. Check them out at mediocremedic.com. And last but certainly not least, go get yourself a zero-fucks-duck. Dumpbox.us is the website there. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Upcoming shows, we've got a pretty much, uh, we've got a heater. We're coming back out of the weekend. Hopefully, we'll have a speaker of the house by then, and we'll be talking about it with some of our great friends. The Daily Court Border Correspondent, Jorge Ventura, will be here. We'll be doing a little bit of the news with Christina Bob, and we'll be having a full in-studio segment with Mr. Cash Patel. Next Friday, Aiden Zetti of the Bull Moose Project is going to be here, shaping young conservatives. Very excited to sit down with him. 
In addition, we're going to be starting at least a bi-monthly segment with Heritage Foundation economist EJ Antoni and Liz Harrington is going to be here. Devin Nunes is scheduled for the 20th. Christina Bob will be back for her book launch. Former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker will be here, and so will Boris Epstein on the 24th of January. Jake Denton of Heritage, EJ Antoni of Heritage, and former Acting ICE Director in the Trump Administration, Tom Holman will be here on the 27th. Friends of the Week! Can't forget our Truth Social Twitch streamer, crew, CSM Master, Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten. We got the Indiana Zoomer. She's on there, too. Some call me Tim79. Didn't see any posts this week. Hope to see some soon. Some of our internet friends, Ghost Hammer. You get one of these. William S. Spoopy. And, of course, the Upside Down Man. And then some of the meme team. Machiavelli Memes. Dumbass Photoshop. That Southern Dude. Mostly Peaceful. Let's go, Brenda. Right-wing savages. I shared one of his posts today. We've got Grand Old Memes, Memar, John Hacker LA, and the Duke of Memes. Guys, things to remember between now and next Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. Probably about podcasting because I don't like doing this by myself. Number two, start a podcast again. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Maybe once we get a Speaker of the House, we could finally start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about it enough. It's time in 2023 to be talking about American greatness. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 202 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back 203 on Tuesday. Christina Bob, Jorge Ventura, and Cash Patel. On behalf of myself, enjoy the weekend and take care. Joshua won't go home. She stepped in the other room to answer the phone. If you love America, if you love freedom, if you love your family, then you'll love Cam Brady. He believes in our children. Education is our future because schools is this nation's backbone. He defends women's rights. Every day I come in contact with women. Do I sometimes fantasize about their undergarments? Sure. Do I go, uh, when I see them? No. And when it comes to his opponent, he won't back down from a fight. I've seen a mustache like that before, and you know who wore it? Saddam Hussein. And I believe we never caught two of his sons, Uday and Falafel. Cam Brady is what makes America work, and he's not afraid to work it. What does Marty Huggins stand for? I'm Marty Huggins, and I... A communist! That's a real shame. Vote Cam Brady. I'm Cam Brady, and I approve this message. Paid for by Yes We Cam 012.